This is another digital citizen. This is a podcast meant to encourage logic through stupidity and chaos. A podcast meant to incite discussion between friends, enemies, countries, and religions. This is a podcast for us. For the digital world. Welcome, citizen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Digital Citizen episode 177. Nothing funny about that, but who is funny? My friend Luke is funny. Hi, Luke. Hi, Fro. Hi, everybody. How's it going? You're funny. You're funny. I'm a funny guy. Have you ever seen that terrible, You're funny guy. <laughs> that terrible YouTube video? I did. Um, I, I We need to mention it because we don't have it in the news. Of course, you watched Elon Musk host a meme review. I actually, I saw part of it, but it was like a meme, like somebody made a meme of the him doing meme review. Of the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of the meme, yeah. No, I, I, was, I, was, I was actually genuinely surprised that he did it. I was like, really? Well, I think what happened was he, he was doing an interview with somebody already. And the interviewer right. said, hey, do you want to do this for PewDiePie? And so he was already right. there, and so I think he just did it. Um, who knows if he Any even promise. knew that it was a thing until the interviewer said something to him, you know what I mean? But, yeah. Yeah. And also he promised to do it, so I guess I guess he is a man of his words. Right. Uh, uh, do you know what else I watched on YouTube this week? What? I watched the Joe Rogan experience and his interview with Dr. Phil. I saw a piece of it. I saw the Daniel Bergroll, the Catch Me Outside girl part. Yes, that was uh, funny. But uh, he also talks, funny enough, about our first uh, little thing. Uh, about J- Jesse Smollett. Uh, and uh, uh, you should actually check out what he says about Jesse uh, Smollett as well. So Dr. Phil talks about that on the Joe Rogan experience. Right. A, a very, very, very weird Joe Rogan experience. Um, I thought so. I thought... Uh, it was weird just to have Dr. Phil at all, but I, yes. I mean, he's kind of a yes. meme right now, so I can understand yeah. why he's on there, but it's like, it's very strange that Joe Rogan, I can't, I can't just picture Joe Rogan reaching out to Dr. Phil be like, hey, you want to do a show? Just, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally, totally get it. Yeah, no, so they talked about uh, actors uh, Justice Somlet. Uh, we talked about him for two seconds last week, because we really didn't have any news. I thought it was hilarious uh, last week. I, I go, hey, Fro, have you heard about this? And I was like, oh, it must just be yeah. American news. 
And then that night, it was no longer just American oh. news, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was all over the world. It was like an atomic bomb. Yeah, so Empire actor Jesse Somerhalt arrested on charges of filling false police reports. Take us through this. Uh, he has been taken into custody on charges. This was from Thursday. Uh, on charges of disorderly conduct for allegedly filing false release reports about being attacked on the street, according to Chicago police. Uh, early Thursday, Chief, Chief Communications Officer for the Sh Chicago Police Department said that Smollett is, is under arrest and in custody of detectives. Uh, the actor and musician now faces felony criminal charges. Uh, accused of disorderly conduct and filing a poli false re police report, like I just said. And, uh, yeah, he has, uh, also, of course, lost his job this week. So I'm happy about that. He's uh, fired from Empire. He, yes. The weird part is, they just, is, instead of just firing straight out and figuring something out, they decided to, I believe, kill him off. So they had him yeah. shoot a few episodes, and then they fired him. Uh, right. Which some people were kind of like... He's going to get paid for that, you know. So you're paying this guy after this whole thing already went down. But So it's a, I, it's a little bit controversial on their part, uh, uh, you yeah. know. But uh, it's it's on Fox, right? So I'm not really all that surprised. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised either. I sent you a long video of uh, one of my favorite shows on, on YouTube, Internet uh, Today. I, I just love how... Oh, how that video, go. right. That was a very good video, yeah. It's so good. Uh, where, where they go through the uh, uh, the whole thing about him and his arrest and everything. So if, if anybody wants to see a 30-minute recap that is quite funny about this case, go and watch that internet today. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's one of their newest videos. I, I just love those guys. I guess before he was uh, arrested for this is, I I heard this somewhere, but that he called himself the gay Tupac. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Before, like <laughs> while he was still like it was still like he had been attacked or whatever. <laughs> the gay Tupac. Right. Uh, well, I uh, I didn't hear that. That's funny. <laughs> uh, no, it's not even close. So, uh, Brexit news, look. Brexit, yay. Yeah, they they promised to uh, uh, vote by March 12th. Uh, do you believe them? Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of the EU is basically forcing them to, right, at this point. So it's either they do something More or... Less. It's a no-deal Brexit, yeah. so... Yeah. Yeah, no, take us through this, look. Uh, she promises a Brexit deal by March 12th. The Prime Minister, Theresa May, puts off a vote in Parliament on the Brexit deal until March 12th. So she put off another Parliament vote uh, just 17 days before Britain is due to leave the EU, setting up a showdown this week with lawmakers who accuse her of running out the clock, which I'd say is probably an accurate statement. Uh, as, Brexit yep. prices, uh, as the Brexit crisis goes down to the wire, May says the so-called meaningful vote would take place this week. Uh, as expected, Parliament will still hold a series of Brexit votes on Wednesday, but May's deal itself will not be on the table. So, 
we might get some kind of resolution to this next week, but uh, it will be a few weeks. I mean, it's three weeks until March 12th, so we'll see what happens uh, then, but... I don't think we will have a solution by next week, because uh, we have other Brexit news this week as well that goes perfectly aligned to this. Because guess what? Labour is prepared to back new Brexit referendum. Yay! Right. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn told uh, Labour MPs uh, the party will move on to back another vote if their own proposed de Brexit deal is rejected on Wednesday. Labour's Emily Thornsbury said prompt the process ended with a choice <laughs> of no deal or the PM's deal, the public should decide. Theresa May is growing pressure on the delay of the 29th Brexit uh, date. Yeah, so Labour has now said they will have another referendum. Uh, well, they say they're back another referendum, right? Which they had not said we, they would do before. Can we turn back time a little? I, I, I have a time machine here. Okay. I said many, many weeks ago that this could happen. <laughs> I mean, there's kind of been talk about it for a little while as far as a second vote, and most people were against it because it, it, there's already one vote. Having another vote almost uh, nullifies that you had a first vote in the first place, so what's the point of even having any vote if you, it, you can just nullify it? You know what I mean? But at the same time, I don't know that I 100% disagree with it. I mean, here's my thought. If there is a second referendum, and it do it goes the same way, then what will they say? You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, in it, to me, I guess maybe as an American, uh, I'd say go ahead, have another vote. <laughs> I, I really, really don't know. I really don't know. I feel so. I feel so sorry for the British people right now because it's like they they are really, 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 really caught between like two bad, 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 bad choices. Right, and it, it feels. Yeah, I mean, there there was a vote that was taken, and this is what the people said they wanted, and. Uh, and now it, if it all turns around but like I said if then it does go to a vote and the same thing happens then there's nothing anybody can say so in a way I would say just go for it go for the vote and see what happens if it doesn't then I mean some one side is going to be mad no matter what happens right so oh yeah there you go oh yeah <sighs> and I, I the, the thing is I I, I think I have a strange feeling that uh, if there will be another vote they will uh, vote remain because they see what the clusterfuck Brexit has been and am I satisfied if they remain? Look, I am not. 
that's just it. I don't know if that that will happen because it didn't. Ha everybody thought they would say remain the first time, right? Everybody thought that. Right. Even the person who created yeah. the vote in the first place thought they w would go I that don't. way, and it didn't. So yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Trump news, and not the Trump news that you think uh, we're going to talk about, because we're not going to talk about Cohen, because he's just testifying right now. He's so been testifying we'll... for like an hour and a half, I believe? Let's see. Yes. Oh, al almost yeah. two hours now, actually. Yeah, so uh, we will not cover, cover what the Cohen has said. We might uh, cover it next week if there's something interesting, but... Uh, I watched a little bit, and at least what I saw, there wasn't any, anything super interesting. But there was Cohen said that they were looking into other uh, uh, crimes other than coll collusion uh, yeah. that had to do with Trump. So, yeah. But uh, an ex-Trump campaign uh, worker claims uh, he forcibly kissed her. Are you surprised by this news? And do you believe this person? See, this. I feel bad that this lady's story came out on the same week as this Jesse Smollett thing, because I it know. doesn't help her case, does it? Uh, and then you have other things like that 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 have happened recently. But uh, Trump. Forcibly... I mean, I mean, we 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 just saw a perfect example on it on Big Brother Celebrity UK. So. Right. Well, not just it was like two year, uh, year, a year ago. But yeah, uh, that definitely. I mean, we also saw something very similar recently to this Jesse Smollett thing. If you remember, there was a lady who said she got hit by a car or whatever it was. Remember that in New Jersey, we talked about that a while ago. She blamed it on Trump I... supporters, and it turned out it had nothing to do with it. Right. Do you know what I totally forgot to tell tell you about? There were, uh, every year, Channel 5 has, uh, like, a celebrity, like, roundup of all, like, celebrity news. What, BBC uh, 5? N no, it's called Channel 5. Okay. Uh, and uh, that story of Big Brother uh, and the, the hit that wasn't, that was number one. That was number one? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Over anything. Wow. Okay. Over everything that happened uh, last year, that was the most like talked about uh, celebrity news in the UK. I guess I kind of. Oh, in the UK, I definitely believe it in the UK. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, but back, back to the to story. This, uh, ex yes, ex Trump. Uh, former Trump campaign staffer is accusing Trump of forcibly kissing her during a campaign where. Event in 2016, a claim the White House and individuals who said to be present strongly deny. Uh, in addition to an unwelcome kiss, uh, Alva Johnson contends that she experienced race and sex discrimination as an African-American woman on the campaign. She says she was paid less than white men doing similar work. Uh, defendant Trump violated... Her, uh, violated norms of decency and privacy by kissing Mrs. Johnson on the lips without her consent in the middle of a Florida work event and in front of numerous other campaign officials. Her complaint reads, uh, She was managing the campaign RVs traveling across Florida for the Trump campaign. They were used as mobile command offices for the voter registration and engagement. Uh, the complaint alleges that the August 2016, oh, in August 2016, Johnson, who was 
in Tampa to help organize a rally, met with Trump along with other staff and volunteers. When he arrived, the complaint says it was raining and Mr. Trump was taken into an RV to shelter him from the weather. Okay. I guess, and then that's where he made a pass at her. I, I've seen an uh, interview on, uh, from her from N- MC NBC, and she said, uh, uh, I felt like I never signed up for things like that. Uh, she's crying, and it's, it, it is a very, very heartfelt interview, to say. Uh, the list uh, right again it's so hard to say this now because if you saw the Jesse Smollett interview he's bawling in that he's crying like okay but it says here Trump campaign staffer who was in the trailer told CBS aside from millions of other things this is crazy to me there are at least five to seven people in the trailer if not more it was a tiny trailer so it's hard to remember but I can't, can't imagine that Donald Trump did something like that and none of us saw it so they're yeah, kind of from the other side, I guess, just giving rounded coverage. Yeah, I mean, we 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 think he's an asshole. If he did this or not, I'm not. Totally Would I be surprised that he did this? No. 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 <laughs> Would I be surprised if no. on the Trump campaign there was racism and sexism happening? No, I'm not surprised no. at all. Um, it is weird that it happened in a little RV and nobody saw it. Um, and yeah, it, I, I just feel bad that it's happening. If the, if it is true, I feel bad for her that it's happening right now this week when, uh, she's going to get more blow, uh, more pushback than she, she would have two weeks ago. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a timing issue. Definitely. Uh, YouTube uh, have have problems lately. Um, I feel a little weird talking about this, and I will tell you a little why after we talk about what it's about. Because advertiser abandoned YouTube over concerns that pedophiles lurk in the comment section. What is this about? Uh, big brands are pulling their ads off of YouTube. A lot of people calling this adpocalypse. Apocalypse 2.0 for if you haven't heard that or seen that online. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pulling ads over concerns that potential sexual predators are gathering in the comment sections of videos featuring children. Mm-hmm. YouTube has deleted more than 400 channels and suspended comments from tens of millions of videos as it tries to s- purge the system of pedophiles. The controversy emerged uh, from a former YouTube content creator described... Oh, he was part of a softcore pedophile ring. I had heard about that. This, uh, yeah. That, that, that doesn't really have anything to do with the comment section, but it's something yeah. related to it, I guess. Uh, earlier we'll this week... Name, please. I wasn't even going any further than that about that, because it has nothing... I honestly, for a why is that in this story? Because <laughs> it has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Uh, earlier this week, Disney... Uh, it, it's only related in the sense that it has to do with ped, uh, this guy being a pedophile and that he worked with YouTube. But as far as, like, brands pulling their stuff because of comments, that is not related. They're just putting that in there because of shock value. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Okay. Earlier this week, Disney, Nestle, and Epic Games, which makes Fortnite... 
boop, boop. Doing my Fortnite dance right now. Pulled their ads from YouTube, which is owned by Google. AT&T and Hasbro have followed suit. Uh, YouTube executives are scrambling to reassure companies that YouTube is doing everything it can to protect children. Uh, child safety has been our... Has been and remains our number one priority at YouTube. So... Yeah, because the thing is, this is started by someone that is a total fucking creep himself. Right. Are you uh, talking about the guy on Twitter? Sorry? You're you talking about the guy on Twitter who like put all started all this stuff? Yes. Okay. And also, I'm talking to the actual YouTube blogger. Uh, he is also a total creep, uh, and it's shown that he has been uh, a liar, and also uh, that he has created um, kind of videos like this before. Uh, uh, With different for, channels, right? Yes, yes, and that uh, they also contain images of uh, children in different positions and things like that. So he himself, first he, he creates a video calling out YouTube saying they haven't done enough. Then it shows that he himself is one of the people that has actually done it. So it feels a little like strange to talk about. <laughs> well, it's, it's important because, to talk about because they're still YouTube is still in, even though that's true, Fro, they're still implementing right. these policies of removing yes. comments. Uh, and not only that, they have said that the channel itself can be demonetized or uh, get a strike or have the video removed because of comments in the comment section. Mm. So if you if you wanted to go on. Uh, somebody's uh, YouTube page that you didn't like politically or for whatever other reason, and you could just go on there and write a bunch of pedophile shit and get their ch their their uh, channel banned, bro. That's mm -hmm. not good. <laughs> um, it, it they're trying to clean up the comment section in, in YouTube, which is kind of like the last one of the last open comment sections. I mean, there's 4chan and other places like that, but YouTube really does. Uh, have not all that many rules as far as the comment section goes. Uh, so that's what really this is all about, is uh, them... They, this guy came out on, on Twitter and made a video about this whole thing, about... It says here, YouTube, he describes yeah. how he says the pedophile ring works. YouTube visitors gather yeah. on the videos doing insidious things, such as putting uh, on their make... Oh, innocent things, not <laughs> so just putting on makeup, d doing gymnastics, or playing Twister. In the comments section, people would then post timestamps to link to frames in that video that appear to sexualize children. So that's what that guy thing, uh, the timestamps is his whole thing about uh, the pedophilia. Um, and then YouTube took that and said, okay, we need to do something about the comments section. And now it's becoming... Mm -hmm. uh, any problem with your comment section, you can get your video demonetized for what's happening in your comment section, which that is a problem. Yeah, and uh, uh, 
also strange enough. It has gotten problems for, for people uh, that are very uh, happy to talk about Cerebral Parisi because uh, do you know why? Uh. I didn't. I didn't understand what you were talking. Cerebral palsy? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you know why they got in trouble? I have not heard the story. No. <laughs> because CP can also still stand for child porn. What? <laughs> because people have flagged their videos with CP in the comment section oh. uh, when it's talking about child porn. But it so, means cerebral palsy. Oh my gosh! Yes. Wow. Yep. So it's just the mm -hmm. algorithm like overdoing it, yes. right? Yes. 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 And also, uh, uh, I think uh, it was a problem for people that talked about Pokemon uh, because they also have something with uh, with uh, count. Oh, right. you, you have I your CP, like your uh, point. It's your points or whatever. It's your, yes, it shows yes. how, how, whatever, how high, how, the, how yes. high level you are or whatever. Yes, so they also have been flagged in this. And it, was so, and it also was a video game. I don't remember what video game it was. Another video game. Yeah. It, it does say here, YouTube uh, told TechCrunch they removed 400 hours of videos that uploaded each, or, or no, 400, what was it? They removed all these web, uh, websites or not websites uh channels and and videos uh because of this and so I, I remembered when we talked about again alex jones getting kicked off the internet i mentioned a few different places mm -hmm. that i was like why isn't this place getting kicked off of the internet why isn't this place like and one of them was the anorexic girl and the other th one i mentioned was this w site called or channel called cold water challenge so mm -hmm. after seeing that youtube was kicking all these uh, people offer demonetizing them for this specific reason, I was like, I wonder if that place still exists. And guess what? It does. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, whale mystery science. Let's talk about something else than child porn. Uh, mystery of how whale uh, ended in uh, the Amazon jungle. And if people think this is like a small little like whale, no. The huge mammal measuring eight meters long, six wide, was discovered 15 meters from the shore of a northeast uh, Brazil. Uh, a whale cake carcass uh, sparking debate uh, among scientists of how it got there, because that's a very good question. Uh, the humpback measured 8 meters, uh, 26 uh, feet long, and 6 meters, uh, 19 feet uh, wide, was discovered around 15 meters, or 49 feet, from the Atlantic Ocean of the island of Marojo, near the uh, mouth of the Amazon River in the north coast of Brazil. Biologists from the Bijero de Adjero Institute. I hope that was correct. It was close. Yes, an NGO working on Marojo Island said 
uh, animal may have already been dead when it washed ashore during strong tides before coming <laughs> to the rest of mangroves some distance away from the shoreline. And uh, post on uh, Facebook, NGO said the humpback whale stranded in shore Marauder Island was uh, a puppy. Of, uh, oh, yeah. oh, it was not a year old and eight meters long. They don't understand how it got there. Uh, right, uh, but they are saying they think it might have been killed by swallowing marine plastics and then the body was washed inland. That's what it says here, so... Right. Uh, yeah, it's a, somehow... But, like, you would think, because I'm looking at the pictures here, you would see some kind of water line where these bushes right. are in the background because the salt water yeah, would kill yeah. the plants, but you don't, so that is very, yeah. very strange. And it's 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 a big whale. Yeah, it's not like, it's not like it washed ashore and then uh, like an animal dragged no. it <laughs> dragged it into the no. into the uh, it's, Amazon. Yeah, it's not it's not like a dog did it. <laughs> right, or even a pack. Yeah, of I dogs. know it was Luke. It was the crickets. That is right. Their power. They did it with their vocal, <laughs> uh, their little uh, sound beams. They used the sound beam to push it with the sound waves. Yeah. So tell me about this kid. Uh, ch these kids, I guess. Uh, Senator D Dianne Feinstein responds to young green activist. Uh, Sunrise Movement said California senator reacted with su smugness and disrespect to their campaign uh, for the new Green Deal. Uh, senator Dianne Feinstein is facing criticism over a video of her response to a group of children and teenagers asking her sport her to support the Green New Deal. The clip shows parts of Friday morning's meeting between Democrats and young activists uh, from the Sunrise Movement. Uh, when Feinstein pushes back on the young activist uh, request, one child says, the government is supposed to be for the people, by the people, and all for the people. Uh, Feinstein responds, I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I've been doing. You c come in here, say it has to be my way or the highway. I've got gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality, and I know what I'm doing. Maybe people should just should listen a little bit. Remind you, she's saying this to like a uh, seven-year-old, bro, or like seven mm -hmm. to ten-year-old kid. Um, a teenage activist says, I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. Feinstein says, how old are you? I'm 16, the woman responds. Feinstein says, well, you didn't vote for me. <laughs> Effectively saying you don't matter is what... <laughs> Should we watch this uh, clip? Uh, it's, it's, well, it's long, and the audio quality is not good oh. enough to... Like, they, uh, they had okay. to subtitle it, so you, you wouldn't be able to understand the words on here anyways. Okay. Otherwise, we would have... Okay. Yeah, I, I thought about it, but... Um, right, we wouldn't have got we wouldn't have got very much out of it. So I figured I'd just read it, but I just pretty much read everything that she said that was, uh, important anyways. But, uh, look, you and me, we need, of course, to see the end of shallow, uh, performed at Oscars because, uh, Lady Gaga and, and, uh, what, what the fuck is his name? Uh, Bradley Cooper looked at each other for more than 10 seconds. And means that they are banging for some reason. 
is that if people think they're dating or something now because they were doing a performance together of a love song? Oh, no, they, they they looked at each other for a little too long. So it means that they, they had sex during uh, A Star is Born. Yeah. That's definitely true, then, because that's yeah, how I mean, evidence works. I mean, it's not like Bradley Cooper is married with a very, 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 very sexy and attractive woman or something. I don't even know. Who is he married to? Oh, he's, he's married to <laughs> so, so, someone, someone, um, someone uh, not ugly, to say it that way. Okay. Well, I, it's Bradley yes. Cooper, of course. Uh Yes. The other thing that happened that we didn't mention in the news happened yesterday night. Bernie Sanders Town Hall. Speaking of sexy, yeah, Bernie Sanders. Oh, um, Oof, he's sexy. Went pretty well. Uh, Bernie did a good job of uh, fielding all the questions. They, you know, they asked him about the sexual harassment stuff. They, uh, all that stuff. And then it came out today, Fro, that people, f uh, the people who were asking questions, they they had labeled CNN was doing this town hall. They had labeled these people as, uh, like, mother of two, uh, political mm -hmm. activists, or something like that. And then people did a little mm -hmm. research into who these people were, and it turns out they're all... One of them was even a, um, a, a, P, a CEO of a PR firm in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and they called him, like, uh, a business owner, or something like that. So they were being a little shady as far as who was asking the questions, but Bernie, even though it was kind of tilted... He was able to maintain, and I, I thought it was a very good town hall. So, Cool. So, what uh, will Tron tell the truth about this week? He's going to say something about politics and how politics is about compromise. This is Tron where Tron tells the truth. There are a lot of candidates to the Democratic nomination to become president this year. And some names that we don't know yet. But all the names who stood forward right now... None of them are really bad. Well, there's some that I don't know if it was my first choice, but not really that bad. But there are some who's better than others. I think most people who listen to my segment for years know that I'm a big Bernie Sanders supporter. And I hope he, he shall win. He's maybe a little bit old, but I don't think that's going to hold against him. He's the best, pro most progressive candidate. And a candidate with a brain and long experience. That's very good. But there are a lot of other candidates that also have chances to win. One of them who's not said yes yet, I think is the one you all know. Joe Biden. Yes, Joe Biden. And if he's smart, he chooses a female running mate. I will guess that's going to be Kamala Harris or some person a little bit to the left who can just go up, who can take the young vote. And, of course a candidate who's for legalization of cannabis. You know, Bernie supporters, that that can happen. There are people who also want Elizabeth Warren. I also hope for her. I think she's a good candidate. But she also can lose. That means a lot of good progressive candidates can lose. But they have moved the Democratic Party back to what the Democratic Party are, a party a little bit to the left for the center. And I think it's that good. But anyway, you cannot in 2020 say if Joe Biden wins law, Joe Biden and Donald Trump is just the same. If you say that, you piss on people. Not only the American people, but others in the rest of the world. Yeah, I think you do know already that 
this election is not about only about you. I really hope you get your first choice, but sometimes you will not get your first choice, and I don't think maybe you will get your first choice this time around. You start a revolution, but a revolution takes a long time. It's not a quick fix to fix anything in your country or the rest of the world. I think Joe Biden can be a good president. The only thing against him that he was against a lot of position that the people now are for uh, many years ago. Yeah, Joe Biden did not was not for the gay marriage in the 90s. He was also for the criminal reform Clinton did, who was a failure. A lot of shit he has done. But if you get a choice between him and Donald Trump and go in, in the election talks, I will not vote because him and Trump is the same. You don't deserve anything. You, then you can just rot and, and burn in your own stupid country. Politics are often about compromises. I said that dozen times before. And sometimes you have to have a little bad to get better in the long run. So, if you're not thinking about yourself and your fucking ego, think a little bit about the people in the rest of the world. For Trump get another term, I know who I can blame. And then not the conservatives. Have a fucking nice day. This was Trump. Trump was the Trump. Hey, look, uh, I have some sad Eurovision news uh, before we go into the songs that we're going to do this week. I'm very, very happy that I didn't pick Ukraine because they've withdrawn from Eurovision 2019. Uh, the Ukraine broadcaster UAPC has decided to withdraw from Eurovision Song Contest 2019. Uh, 19 following some very turbulent days, starting with the national uh, final. Um, here, partitions has ignored uh, about their relationship with Russia. Oh, no. Interrogated. So, oh, sorry. Uh, about their relationship with Russia. And during the show, the broadcaster announced that they had the right to reject the result. And, yeah. Now they're not going to take a part of it. So they refused to participate in the Eurovision, Eurovision Song Contest 2019. So it's 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 a little sad. It's a, Well, the first group, uh, whatever their name is, decided to, to not do it. And then it says here they contacted the next on the list, the runner-up, uh, the band Freedom Jazz, but they also decided to refuse the offer to represent Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the, they also uh, went next to the on next the list, on the list. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and they also rejected the contract. Yeah, so no, it's it's not good news. But had it been enough, I didn't pick uh, Ukraine. I, Were you I thinking picked, about uh, it? Or? Yeah, okay. I, I was actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's go to the most no normal one. Uh, let's go to Latvia. Uh, the night and. Carousel. This is a very, very, very uh, Eurovision song. <laughs> oh, yeah. But actually, Fro, this was the first song I posted on my Facebook so that I could download it and listen to it later of this year's Eurovision. It is not bad. I wrote down not music video is what I wrote down to like kind of remember this because no. at the very beginning I started it and was like, 
I started watching it and the, the effects and everything happening, uh, the first 30 seconds throw, I was thinking, uh-oh, I'm going to have to look up a live performance because this is a music yeah. video. And then it got yeah. a minute in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a live performance. And I was act that impressed yeah. me. It was impressive, uh, impressive that I was tricked. Uh, I liked the camera effects. What did you think? Mm. The camera effects is, uh, is very, very, very good. It's one of the things that I really like about Latvia. Uh, I think this is a strong contender for for this year's uh, Eurovision. Definitely, uh, it's it's uh, it's up there uh, with uh, Australia. Uh, but uh, it's it's missing something. I'm not sure what it is, but it's it's it doesn't feel like a Eurovision anthem if you kind of. Sure, my drift. It doesn't. But it it yeah. feels like a normal song more than anything else. Uh, more than yes, most Eurovision yes. songs. But it also uh, the one negative I will give it is the lyrically is not all that special. It is kind of bland no. lyrically. But she's a good singer. She pulls it off. The performance itself was like you said. I would say maybe the second uh, best performance yes. as far as live production goes so far. Maybe oh, second definitely. or third. I, I'd have to look back at all the stuff we've watched already. It's we're getting deep deep enough that I can't remember every, every one of them now. Um, no. But overall, I gave this a four point oh. Four point oh out of ten. Yeah, um, I'm not far in front of you. I gave this a five out of ten. Uh, like I said, I I. I think it was in the middle of the run. I, I think it definitely would will qualify because Jesus Christ, Eurasian is bad this year. I'm going to say this now. This is probably the one of the worst Eurasians so far. Uh, and I, I'm I'm not even kidding. Uh, especially when we go to. <laughs> I hope I hope you enjoyed this video. Look uh, from Croatia, we we have the dream with uh, Rocco Balsevic, and uh, look, tell me what kind of costume he has. Well, it's like an angel wings kind of costume happening, right? <laughs> yeah, remember in the nineties, I want to say Victoria's Secret did the angel <laughs> wing promotion. That's what he yes. had going on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and to be honest, that's the most amazing thing about this performance because holy shit, this was a bad song. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, he wasn't a great singer either. And the production no. was just him standing there in a silly costume, which it really was a yes. silly costume. Yes, yes. Well, like, at some but point, I, I was it... expecting him to fly. Right, you're expecting him to be connected <laughs> to the wires, and he'll start raising up. Like that would add at least something to this. You know what I mean? <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> no, but uh, it's it, it, and and how he passionately looks into the camera in every ang angle. Uh, it is so incredibly Eurovision. I I have a strange feeling that this will qualify. It's it's one of my least favorites of this year, but, but uh, I think it will qualify because people will think, oh. And a, a, an angel kiss costume, that's cool. That's something we don't see usually in Eurovision. Let's vote for him. He, he's crazy enough. 
I guess so. I don't know. It was just very generic <laughs> Eurovision, is what it was. But what did you give this song? I gave it a 1.0. Oh. Wow. 1 out of 10. Uh, oh, this is hard. Uh, I have to look a little into what I have given things before. So I give this a 2.5 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Uh, look, I can already tell you what uh, countries we're doing next week, because guess what? What? This weekend, uh, we have something called Melody Grand Prix. Do you know what that is? Norway Eurovision finalist uh, contest, maybe? Yes. yes. Okay. And let me try so, to guess the other one before you say it. Uh, uh, Melody Festivalen. Uh, what would be another one? Sweden, maybe? I guess maybe you guys do it together? Yes, we do it. Ah, okay. Yes. I knew there was going to be some kind of gimmick. Okay, that makes sense now. Yes. So next next week we will do the final list of uh, Norway and Sweden. And do you know what? Like, Have you watched the most of them already? Like, before? Of like Okay. <laughs> Of course. I'm waiting for you not, to pick not, a really bad one. Like I'm, I'm waiting for the Irish turkey or something like that to happen. But we haven't really had like a super bad one yet. Uh, no, we didn't have anything like the robots from from last year. Okay. Remember those? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something before we move on. If Norway wins. With the song that I hope we win with, look, we're going to win your vision. Oh, if you guys, t the song you want to go to the final goes, you think you'll win, okay? Yeah. yeah. I actually think we have a very, very, very good chance of winning your vision this year. And it's a, an odds favorite uh, on everywhere to win. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> because you wouldn't be interested in seeing this this weekend, I'm guessing, with me, you and me, watching Norwegian television together. <laughs> uh, no, I probably would not get very much out of it except for the singing, but... Uh... <laughs> Norwegian television, yeah, live. On Saturday, <laughs> you're like, eh, I would rather go to a funeral. <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe. Not really, but... <laughs> Your vision isn't that bad. Hey, uh, look, aren't you excited? We are getting closer to the Masked Singer finale. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. H how many people are left? Two. Two people went out last... Last uh, week. Oh, double, uh, we evi double eviction. All right. Yes, uh, we only have three three left for the final. We have the bee monster and the peacock in the final. Oh, I, I th uh, thought you had said the peacock already went out. Hmm. All right. No, no. But the uh, bee monster and peacock is in the final. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, Joey Fatone from NSYNC went out last uh, week. Okay. And he was. Uh, uh, he was the rabbit. All right. But here's my big surprise. And this actually surprised me. And uh, she can sing. And it was Rumor Willis. 
Uh, do you know who that is? I've never heard that name before. Uh, if I say Bruce Willis and Demi Moore's daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's rumor Glenn Willis. She's an American actress and singer. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to tell uh, she won season 20 of Dancing with the Stars, by the way. Okay, so she's a reality contest show person or is Right. Okay. <laughs> but she can't sing and I will tell you this, if she gave out an album tomorrow, I would fucking buy it because I thought the line would win. You know, I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis has an album or uh, you could check out if you want to check out Bruce Willis's album. Let me look that up and make sure. I know I know that uh, that uh, that awful 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 guy from Sound not Sound of Music but uh, Les Miserables has an album out. There's a music video uh, of uh, Bruce Willis Russell doing Crow. live his live album oh. singing. It says Bruce Willis, respect yourself, 1987. Hmm. All right. Cool. Yeah. So next week, we'll, I will tell you who won uh, of Monster uh, B and Peacock. I'm going to tell you now. I think it's Monster that is going to win, and I have absolutely no clue who the monster is. All right. I've been seeing a lot of advertisement for it late, lately for some reason, like a lot of banners. They're really trying to promote it. I don't know if it's doing badly or what, but uh, you think you would want to promote it before the show, not like at the end of the show, but whatever. Yeah. Anything else you watched this week when it comes to TV? Uh, I watched a lot of TV, actually. Um, me too. Let me remind... There, I'll finish off with the two new things I watched, but the, we gotta remember those... If we would've stopped... If we would've done another show after... Uh, Manifest, we would have done one of these two shows I'm going to mention a little later, but I watched Umbrella Academy. I watched four episodes of that for him. Wow. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's still a superhero show, but it's better than, like, a standard superhero show. It's not, like, uh, it's... Uh, it's not cookie cutter that one superhero and he no. fights crime that kind of thing. It's a it's much more intricate and it's got to do with time travel and things like that, which I guess yes. other superhero shows also have to do with time travel. But this is yeah. um, I enjoyed it, but it's, I don't think I'm gonna watch any more of it. It's it's all right, but honestly, not I, I, like it, it hooked me when I first found out the the uh, the cliffhanger at the end of episode one about the whole time mm. travel thing. And then after the fourth episode, or th yeah, I think I watched four episodes, uh, it kind of lost its luster, and I was kind of like, I don't really care what happens at the end now. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe it's just me. Guess what, look, I also saw the Umbrella Academy this week, and I saw it all through with my dad. And to quote my dad, this is maybe the best super hero show out there uh, and I totally agree uh, I really 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 fucking love this show hmm. uh, I, I think I said last week that I just see one, one episode and I gave it an 8 I will give the whole series an 8.5 actually and recommend it hard to people that are at least a little interested 
Uh, I think the quality of it is much, much better than Luke's has. Uh, but we don't agree on this. Well, number we, one, I don't, I'm not a superhero show no, kind no. of person. And number, the thing that really got me is there's a lot of shit that's super predictable in this that yes, um, yes. maybe only to me it would bother me. Other people can look past it, but the mom thing where they're it's they're acting like, yeah. oh, no, and then the reveal, you're like, I know, I knew it was a robot. I've known this that that yeah. was a, ro a robot this whole time. That's not a reveal. That's not a reveal. No. <laughs> that those kind no. of things. And then the the guy takes his shirt off or whatever, and re that reveal. Yeah. I was like, that's not a reveal. We saw the hair coming yeah, out no. of the top of his jacket this whole time. How is that a reveal? I know. I know. So there's you know it's little uh, things and uh, like things that I would have a problem with the other people wouldn't. So I I really don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I will give it an 8.5 and really recommend it to people that like super, superhero shows. I, I, I will be amazed if I at least don't have it as my one of my honorable mentions when this year is, is, is done. Oh, okay. Right, right now it's on my top, top list of shows. I, I, I have a show on here I'm going to mention in a, in a little bit that actually is going to be on one of those lists as well. Um, or maybe... Uh, oh, Hannah. Found out about Hannah Fro. March 29th. Oh. oh, can't wait. Yep. So Hannah is going to be coming out on Prime on March 29th. If, if the first episode's mm -hmm. up there, if people want to go check out the first episode. I believe it's still up and there. And we recommend it. And we recommend it very, very, very much. Uh, at least according to the first first episode. Who knows? The second episode could be complete crap, but oh, yeah, as know, of right we, now. We recommend that they check out uh, that episode is what I meant. Oh, right. Yeah, totally. Yes. Anything else you saw? Yes, I saw a lot of shit this week. Uh, I also saw Taskmaster Season 7. Uh, I have a tendency to binge uh, Taskmaster. Uh, it's Taskmaster. Why have you never seen a season of Taskmaster? Look. I know why. Because you think you won't like it. But I promise you, you will like it. Uh, I you remember you telling me about this. It's like a game show or something, but I don't even remember what it is. Yeah, no, you should give it a chance. It has that uh, guy from uh, We All Do Nothing radio show on season six. The what radio show? Uh, the TV show about uh, the radio pirates. That's English. Oh, um... It's a British people show, do right? Pe yeah, people, people who just do, do nothing, it. right? Yeah, it has the lead of uh, of that in season six. Yeah, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so maybe you will like season six because of that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Um, let's see what else? Oh, Survivor. Did yes. you see Survivor? Episode one. Episode one. Uh. They really want to get this Exile Island thing to work. It's never going to work. Like, they've tried it a million no, times. You can call no. it whatever you want, Survivor people. You yeah. can call it uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> it's not going to change that that's Exile Island. We all know it. Yeah, no. But, uh, no, uh, the first episode. Uh, no, I will... I will. I like Survivor. It has a formula. It follows the formula. I like the formula. What right. can I say? 
I mean, I, I always like the seasons where it's just brand new people as opposed to mixing in people yeah. who are returnees because they always have an advantage. Well, yeah. But they also have a disadvantage because they get targeted for voting. But yeah. Yeah. I always like to have all new people just because I like to see new characters. I don't want to rehash, but, you know, CBS right. always wants to try to make stars. So they want right. to bring back the people who were, at, who were stars and try to, you know, create yeah. a... Uh, a character and everything. So I understand what they're doing. It's just, uh, I prefer, yeah. I prefer ones that are all new cast. So that's just me and but no exile I, I Island. <laughs> and no exile Island. Yeah, no, but I, I don't really matter. Um, I saw season eight of, uh, American horror story. Uh, mostly because guess what? I totally forgot. There was a season eight of American horror story. And I love American horror story. I just uh, forgot that I haven't watched it, so I took the time to watch <laughs> season eight. Uh, worst season so far? Um, I would give it uh, five and a half. Okay. Oh, uh, Survivor. Oh, yeah, sorry. This episode or this season of Survivor, I gave a six. By the way, yeah, so far, so far. Uh, Task Taskmaster, I will give a seven and a half. And I gave Umbrella Academy a six because I forgot to score that as well. Right. Okay. What else did so, I see? Oh, are you done? Sorry. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm done. Uh, I found I got new TV for Christmas, and I found a few places that there's free riff tracks that you can just find. You know, like I love uh, mystery track. science theater yeah. kind of thing, but riff tracks. So I yeah. watched. Uh, see, I, I was gonna kind of include this in my movie round, but I got a bunch of movies to talk about. But I watched a uh, a riff track called Radical Jack with Billy Ray Cyrus mm. in it. <laughs> mm. It was pretty bad. Uh, Cyber Tracker was another one I watched that didn't really have anybody super big in it. Cool as Ice with Vanilla Ice. The riff track was very uh, funny. Do, do you know what? I think I've seen that. What, the movie or the riff track? No, the movie, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, it's a really bad movie. It's hilarious. So I would recommend the riff track. Um, I found it on on my TV somewhere. I think it was Pluto TV app was where I found it. Um, cool. And then the last one I saw was Breaker Breaker with Chuck Norris, the riff track, <laughs> which is like a movie about uh, uh, long-haul uh, trucking or something. Yeah. Okay, uh, voice. Uh, the Voice season sixteen started this week. Uh, I watched that. Uh, Vi Vice, like the news program, Vice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and then I there are two new things I watched this week. A British show on BBC called Warren, season one, episode one. Yeah, I also saw this. Okay, what do cool. you think? Uh, I thought it was very interesting and somewhat. Uh, uh, what would you what would you compare this to? I mean, it's a British sitcom. It's an incredibly British sitcom. It's so British, yeah. uh, but it's it's it, it's kind of American in the sense that it's your kind of dopey um, yeah. dad dad figure, kind of like Homer, but this guy's more grumpy, kind of a grumpy dad figure <laughs> uh, who's always trying to like. Uh, Get in, get in some kind of scheme or something like that, and and it's yeah. about his family. So it's in a way, it's kind of an Amer it's a br British, uh, 
American sitcom. It's like an a, a Britishized American sitcom, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I don't know if uh, it just reminds me of another British sitcom that I, I usually watch uh, that I suddenly hmm. forgot uh, the name of. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 okay. I would give it the first episode and six maybe. Oh, I get a six point five. So we were damn close to each other. Um, yeah, it. Uh, uh it, I thought yeah. it was very fun. It's. I mean, I will one hundred percent continue watching it. It's a very easy. Yeah show to watch uh and it had it yeah. gave me a few chuckles so uh other than that i also watched uh, the first three episodes of house of lies uh have you ever heard about this show no i don't think so it's just it six seasons and i have uh, it has uh, uh, the girl from Veronica Marsh in it. Right. Okay. Uh, I remember. I never remember her her name. Uh, and uh, uh, Kristen it, Bell, right? Yes. Right. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's okay. It's it's it, it's supposed to be. I don't know. It it. it it, it reminds me of a thousand other shows uh, I've seen. But uh, it has also Don Sheetle and Ben Swartz in it. So, yeah. No, I will continue watching it since I downloaded all six seasons of it. Okay. <laughs> but, I, I mean, mean yeah, it's, it's got some it, good it ended, actors uh, in it, sounds like. Sorry? It's got some good actors in it, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Anything else you watched? <laughs> Just, oh, Warren, do you think that would have been a fun thing to cover on the show if we would have ended up covering another show? Because that would have been one of our choices. Oh, yeah. I, I would, would have, have enjoyed w watching that. Here's something I think we would oh, have yeah. hated watching, a show called The Enemy Within. Oh, Jesus, mother of Christ, I'm so happy that you saw this. Uh, Season 1, Episode 1, this is a show... Oh. This is a... Uh. a the most propaganda e propaganda show about <laughs> Russians invading our government I've ever seen. Maybe like the opening, I, I, the opening bit. They have a white text on a black screen that says, uh, "The CIA says seventy uh, percent. Yeah. There's seventy or seven thousand people that have invaded our government. Something like that. It's like a, a <laughs> quote from the CIA about how many people have in infiltrated our government. That's how they open the episode. So yeah. Uh, this is about a CIA operative lady who gets tricked kind of into uh, having to work for a foreign government, something like that. And it's about a guy who his wife got killed because of this lady. And so he's uh, but he ends up having to work with her. Right. So that's what really what it's all about. What do you think from? And, that, and the funny thing, I, I was I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, <laughs> this would be worse to cover than manifest. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it would have been funny to cover. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been hilarious because of how bad it is. But this is worse than manifest. Uh, At least from the first. This episode. is worse than manifest. How is that possible? I don't know. I found, I found the show that I like less than manifest. In a week, so, like, it only took a week for somebody week, to come out. Yes. And, and, and it's like, okay, you remember when I talked about FBI, that I saw some episodes of that show called FBI? Right, right. 
and I called it a propaganda show. Mm-hmm. It has absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing on this. This show said, show. "Hold my beer," is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, yes. This, this is, this is, this, this said, "Hey, look at this. <laughs> we are anti-Russia." Oh, for fuck's sake! I love that you watched this because I had it on my list. I, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to say even that I saw it. This week, because I was so embarrassed over watching this shit. Did you know what I gave this first episode, Look, What? A flunking good zero. I gave it a point five. So we're pretty close again. <laughs> uh, this has Morris Chestnut and Jennifer Carpenter in it, by the way, I should uh, mention. Jennifer Carpenter is, what, uh, Dexter's sister? You probably remember yes, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a, she's she the the funny thing is she was always annoying in Dexter. And <laughs> and, and I, I was happy when she was killed in Dexter. Oh, spoiler alert for Dexter by the way. <laughs> from like seven years ago, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh, I was like, Oh, she's so irritating in Dexter. No, she's not that irritating in Dexter. <laughs> she's worse than this <laughs> and she doesn't fit the role at all as, no, like, as no, this badass character no. no she doesn't fit at all um look are you are you are you ready to 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 get me to say something that i will never say this is one of the very very rare occasions i'm one episode and i'm out I'm not even going to give this fucking shit pile of of a show a second chance. Okay. All right. Are you going to watch the second episode? No, unless I don't uh, unless what no, I have no plans on watching another episode. Maybe I will just <laughs> to tell you how it is. Well, that actually sounds all right. So I might watch it yes. just to tell you how it is next week on the show, but I'm definitely not watching more than two. That's for sure. <laughs> Suddenly you become this super fan. <laughs> but yeah, I can picture this being on my worst show of the year for sure at the end of this year. Oh, definitely. I think this is the first one that I can picture being on my worst show of the year. There's some shows this year that I can see on my top yeah. five already, uh, but yeah. this is the first worst one for sure. I totally agree with you. Hey, look, we have something very, very exciting. We have the main topic Let's talk to David. So, ladies and gentlemen, with us, I have uh, David Fitzgerald. Hello, David. Hello, Fro. Hello, Luke. Hi, David. Uh, so, introduce yourself to our listeners. Who are so, you and why are you here? Who is this guy? Yeah, I'd be happy to. <laughs> um, I'm best known as an atheist activist and writer and historical researcher. Um, I was responsible for things like being the co-founder of the world's first atheist film festival and San Francisco's oldest Darwin Day festival, Evolution Palooza. But these days, since about 2010, I've been better known as a writer, uh, for, especially for the writings I've done on the historical Jesus uh, question. I wrote a book called Nailed, Ten Christian Myths That Show Jesus Never Existed at All. And I've also written a uh, series called The Complete Heretic's Guide to Western Religion which includes books on the Mormon and a, a three-part series called Jesus Mything in Action, which takes on more about the historicity issue. 
Yeah, and uh, it's 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 quite interesting. Uh, all of your books, I actually bought uh, on uh, Amazon, uh, so you can actually get it for on your Kindle on Amazon. It's 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 nice the books. Uh, I've I've concentrated mostly about nailed. Uh, I can't wait to to read about the Mormons. Because I, I I was a Mormon, so I can't oh. fucking wait to read about them. Oh, bro, you're so gonna love that book. Wait, is that part <laughs> one? The Mormon, the uh, it, well, it's a funny story because I've got this book nailed, which is a standalone book, and then I started a series called The Complete Heretics Guide to Western Religion, and book one is The Mormons. Okay, so I'm, yeah, books, right. But the confusing part is books two, three, and four are actually a sequel to Nailed, which isn't even in the series. And these ah. are the kind of these are the kind of publishing issues that keep me up at night. But it, it is what it is. <laughs> I was wondering because so, it did say part two, and then I was expecting it to be a different religion uh, based, and I didn't see that in the title. Right. So hmm, okay, right. It's and, good to and know. I wasn't trying to set out to do a kind of a religion of the month club in the series, <laughs> but I am going to be doing a series on. I mean, a, a book on Jehovah's Witnesses down the road, Ooh. and also one on sex and violence in the Bible. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. I do it I do so, a talk that's on YouTube on sex and violence on the Bible and it's probably my most famous and most popular talk so I'm looking forward to turning that into a book. Nice. So what got you interested in looking into the historical Jesus? Well, here's the funny thing. I mean, I think like most atheists, um I didn't start out as a mythicist. I just assumed, oh yeah, there was a Jesus and he was a guy and you know, he ended up badly, and it was very sad. And it wasn't until I I got curious about which part of the gospel stories is the real Jesus and which is just the fake bullshit that got accreted later. There's a mm-hmm. legendary development. Um, and again, 20 years ago, it never even crossed my mind there was no Jesus. But as soon as you start looking for what's real in the Jesus story and trying to parse that out— right shocked me right out of the gate was all these red flags that would pop up and realizing, oh, none of this was written by eyewitnesses. Oh, this was written generations after the fact. Oh, all these gospels are actually based on the first gospel. And oh, this gospel seems to be an allegory. And, and there's just this sliding scale of, of as you go deeper into investigating what our evidence for Jesus is. Mm. Uh, and and uh, of course, if you're going to say anything that what you, that you know what Jesus did or said, the first thing you have to ask is, well, who's telling us this? And the second thing you have to ask is, is how reliable is that? Um, mm. And it's fascinating to see how quickly everything we think we know about Jesus starts falling apart, and what is supposed to be a very well-established and well-represented you know, chains of evidence just vanish. Mm. What, what would you say was uh, the first clue you you came into that got you to doubt uh, there uh, at all was a, a historical Jesus. Right. I think it was about two years into it, um, into into that process of trying to figure out what was real and what was false. The first thing that really shocked me was realizing these are not written by eyewitnesses, um, mm. and there was sort of this. Uh, uh, as I say in Nail, there's like this top ten list of, oh, these things I always assumed were true about Christianity are just not true. Right, and, yeah. Uh, if you read Nail, the last, the last, second chapter to the last 
is um, called Can Jesus Be Saved? And then I, mm-hmm. in that I talk about all the things that would be different in first century history, in the New Testament, in early Christian history, things that would be different and look different if there was just a guy named Jesus. Because there's nothing implausible about the guy, about thinking that Jesus was just a guy. There's nothing implausible about him being one of many would-be messiahs at the time. It's mm. just that our evidence doesn't point to that. And when we try to pin down who Jesus really was and is, all of a sudden this su- supposed ironclad consensus that there was a real Jesus, as soon as you try to get any details on who that Jesus was, your consensus falls apart. And that's not just mm. on the secular side, but the religious side as well. But mostly mm. on the secular side. And when you what? say what? Jesus, you you mean like a, just a person, Jesus in I, general, or exactly. or the my, mythical Jesus? Yeah, okay. Well, and that was kind of the problem that I ran into with nailed because one, you know, a lot of people, oh yeah, yeah, we know that the the biblical Jesus didn't exist, the Jesus of faith didn't exist, but there was a real guy, or I'm sure there was a yeah, real guy, and so that's why I wrote the follow up called Jesus Mything in Action. In nailed, I point out the top ten ways that the official story of Christianity just doesn't hold up. It just does not pass the muster. But I don't talk really about where I think Jesus came from. And so a lot of people assume that, oh, it's just a, a argument from silence or, you know, making some uh, suppositions based on faulty evidence. And in Jesus Mything in Action, I say, no, these are some of the problems that biblical studies has, and Jesus studies in particular. And here's what we've seen biblical studies doing, and it's not a conspiracy, it's just Christians being Christians, basically, for the most part. Um, And I talk about what our evidence is in the Gospels. I talk about what our evidence is in the rest of the New Testament, and what our evidence for Jesus is outside the New Testament. Um, And again, all these things find just blew my mind, and they really Mm. cast doubt on there being a historical Jesus. And I can't make this clear enough. Whether there was a Jesus or not, our evidence for him is amazingly crappy, much more crappy than his biblical historians would let on. I think one of my biggest, uh, I, because I, I, I tried uh, to read some counter arguments uh-huh. uh, uh, before I, I talked to you, and the name Titus Flavius Joseph. Uh, yeah. Yes, is, yeah. is a name. Name I'm I'm sure uh, you heard of. He lived uh, 37 BC. Uh, uh, let me, to let me, around let me, around a hundred. Well, yeah. actually, you're you're conflating two people. There was the emperor Titus, and there was Flavius okay. Josephus, a Jewish historian who wrote about Titus. Okay. Uh, so Flavius Josephus was indeed a Jewish historian. He was born around year 37 or so and died sometime around 100 or so. The reason that people who are interested in this subject all care about Flavius Josephus is that he is the only historical witness outside of Christianity who seems to be referring to Jesus. Yes. And there's two passages in Josephus that are brought in by apologists, and I explain in chapter after chapter in both books why neither of them holds up. One is just an outright forgery, and that's not even a controversial thing to say anymore. And the other one mm. is not talking about our Jesus whatsoever. It's talking about Jesus, son of Damnius, a completely different character. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that guy, there's... Um, let me back up a little bit. 
Was Jesus a common name at the time? Well, but that's not even the point. This guy, this guy they're talking about, if it was about our Jesus, what he's saying there makes no sense. But if mm. you keep reading the passage in its context, as Christians love saying, we're taking things out of context. If you just read it, it actually explains who it's talking about, names him by name, and it's like, oh, okay, I get who they're talking about now. Yeah, it's clearly not our Jesus, not even in the same time frame. Yeah, because according to New Testament scholar Robert Van Voorst in his book, Jesus outside uh, the New Testament, the overwhelming majority of scholars that hold the words brother of Jesus was called Christ as authentic as the entire passage in which it's found. Yeah. Um, Every time you hear the overwhelming consensus of scholars, be careful with that. Because, again, one thing, one thing that really strikes me about biblical studies that's different from any other kind of historical studies I know of, or any kind of scientific studies even, is that the amount of bluster and bluff on the Christian side of the equation is just off the chart. I, mm. even, in, even in, like, reference works um, written by Christians, you'll see them say things that blow my mind— and then they turn around and say, oh, but of course there was a Jesus, despite the thing I've just said for the last two pages. Um, mm. I'll, I'll give you an example. They'll talk about, like, the Gospel of Luke, and they'll say things like, um, the Gospel of Luke does not provide uh, something that the historian would admire, but it's a rich treasure trove for the theologians, you know? And I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes! What the hell are you saying, you know? Are they saying it's not real? Is that what they're, they're saying basically saying? They're saying, well, that's the thing. They don't come outright and say that Luke is lying. They don't come outright and say, this is not history. They say lame things like that and then quickly move the goalposts to talk about how wonderful it is theologically. It, it blows my mind. And we see this even in like medieval Christians and early ancient Christians where, they're, where pagan critics are complaining about, oh, this story about him being on the Sea of Galilee and there being storms and him calming the waters and all that, well, that couldn't happen because you can cross it in two hours in a canoe. It's an inland lake. It's not an ocean. There's no storms. That, you know, they, These are, in like the second century, in the first century, critics pointing out the problems with the Bible stories. And it's fascinating to read what the early Christian responses to them were. A, first of all, because that's the only place we find criticisms of early Christianity is in these counter-heresy uh, manuals from Christians. Um, everything else is gone. But they, they'll spend like two seconds saying things like, oh, well, it, Bible calls it a sea and God made seas, so if he wants to call it a sea, he can call it a sea. That's the level of, of thing we're talking about. And then they'll spend mm. like the rest of the chapter talking about the symbolic uh, – importance of the story and how every single thing in the story actually has a deep theological symbolic allegorical meaning and that's what they they spend their time focusing on mm. so is that think, cognitive dissidence yeah. to just uh to see that right in the writing that it's not the same jesus that the, the name is written out and then just just is that cognitive dissidence to be able to just see that and go oh that doesn't exist or is that is it on purpose? More, I think it's more purposeful than that, and I don't. Okay. I, I stopped short of saying it's a it's a, a hoax or a um, you know a, 
conspiracy? <laughs> conspiracy, exactly. But we see this in other religions in ancient times too. For instance, in the Mithras religion, you've got this central image of Mithras killing the sacred bull. And on one hand, it's just a myth, a myth of a guy who kills a bull and, and that's all well and good. But they're quick to point out that everything in that story, you know, there's a scorpion involved and a raven and stuff like that, is all tied into astrological symbolism. Uh, and so you have – what you have is you get this story that on one level is just a simple story that you could tell to anybody, you know, in the flock. And they'll just appreciate it as a good story. But it's really talking about, in coded language almost, deep theological matters. In their case, it's talking about the procession of the equinoxes and how what they saw as the, you know, since they saw the universe as this big ball surrounding the earth, when the shifting of the, of the North Star changed, it wasn't just an interesting astronomical thing that, you know, Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson would talk about. It's their whole universe is moving around above them into the way they thought. Ah. And we're seeing the same thing in the Gospels. We see that they take stories, especially the first Gospel, Mark. There's stories that couldn't happen in real life, and yet they have deep symbolic meaning. Uh, they make no sense um, as history. They, don't make, they, know, they barely make sense as a regular story. It's like, why is Jesus doing that? Isn't he supposed to be God? Why is he getting uh, pissed off at a fig tree? You know, Why can't he this person here? Why is he saying this here? Um, and you see story, uh, church fathers like Origen actually pointing out and saying, look, these stories don't make any sense, literally. You can't take them literally. It'd be crazy to do that. You have to take them as mystical, as symbolic, as allegories. And it's very obvious that at least the first gospel we have, Mark, is doing that throughout One of the things I wanted to ask you, yeah, David, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is one of the things that I've read was the motives because uh, uh, one of the things I I read was that there was no uh, te uh, theological motivation behind claiming that G Jesus had risen from the uh, dead uh, because. Uh, the Jewish uh, uh, faith was uh, as strong as it was in that time. Is that something you you could uh, say something to? That yeah. uh, the motive for for lying about Jesus is is. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. they thought they were lying about Jesus. I thought they. I think they thought they were creating a new way of religious expression. And part of the reason I say that is because during this time we're talking about, the early first century and maybe even the century before that, during the Hellenistic period when Greece and Greek culture were permeating the ancient world and kind of bringing it together under one big banner, this cosmopolitan empire, um, you had this interesting religious development. And what it was is the old state pantheons like Zeus and all the gods on Mount Olympus, that idea was getting tired and this mm. new exciting idea that was kind of brought in, you know, in the wave of Alexander the Great's empire and just the way he was trying to bind all these different competing cultures and religions together is he would create these super pantheons of all the gods, you know, that were mm. underneath his thumb, thumb 
clearly. And the movement that came out of this is called the Mystery Faiths. And what it is, actually, is it's taking away the idea of these pantheons as being, you know, this is the Greek pantheon, this is the Egyptian pantheon, this is the Persian pantheon, and bringing in the idea of personal saviors. And what they would do is they would take old gods like Isis, like Mithras, like Bacchus, and they would turn them into personal saviors. Um, and they talk about these personal saviors exactly the same way we talk about Jesus living in your heart and, you know, changing you and being with you. And, and um, it's not that Christianity is a cookie cutter of these mystery faiths. Christianity is the Jewish version of these mystery faiths. Christianity mm. is a mystery faith. It's the last mystery faith we have. I still hear to this day, at least when I listen to really like hardcore evangelical Christians, will still sometimes talk about mystery faiths in like a very nefarious way. Like they're still out there trying to get them almost. Well, uh, the, the, it's one of those things that they're, they've never been comfortable admitting you know, just like the thought that maybe there was a goddess in that Mary was a goddess at one point. You know, um, anything that smacks of of a Christianity that's different from what became the Orthodox Christianity. Right. Okay. Because mm. another thing we find when we go deeper into Christianity is the further you go back, the more different kinds of Christianities there are, and the less any of them look like what we call Christianity. And uh, this is something that came out in Nailed. One of the things that struck me early on is that for the first, say, 150 to 200 years of Christianity, we have absolutely no textual evidence whatsoever, not even fragments. We don't get fragments. It's the, they claim that they show up in the early second century. Actually, they show up at the end of the second century, um, and we don't get complete gospels and, and epistles of the New Testament until towards the end of the second century, the beginning of the third century. And our first complete New Testaments don't show up until the beginning of the fourth century. Um, mm. And the interesting thing about those two is we have two of them, the Codex Sinaiticus and the Codex Vaticanus. They don't agree with each other, and neither of them agrees with what we have. We have books, they have books we don't have. And their books aren't always the same as ours. They have we have verses that were never in theirs. Um, is how we know that certain stories about Jesus were invented later, hundreds of years later. Um, but to get back to the other point, that means for the first hundred to two hundred years of Christianity, we have absolutely no idea what the Christian scriptures said. We don't know how close it is to the originals. You hear. Uh, Christians love to say, oh, well, our texts are 99.9999% close to the original. It's like they're pulling that number right out of their butt because they're – how would they know? How could they know? If it, Even if like Paul had written his letters, magically locked them in the safe, and we just discovered them today, all pure originals, we wouldn't know they were originals. We would say, oh, here's a weird interesting variant on this book or that book. Um, it's probably something heretics wrote, you know. But what we but do here, know, go ahead. Here's the the the, the ten thousand dollar question. Then yes. how did it survive through all these years? Like well, here's the thing: if, how, you read, if you read what Bart Ehrman says about Christian forgery, they didn't survive intact. They've been altered. They've been manipulated. Um, and we have at every single level that we have Christian texts. We have evidence of them not just making spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes. I mean, that's not special. <laughs> there are tons of them. 
Um, and we, we can recognize those. What's special is when you can see, oh, these guys, this faction that believed this about Jesus changed this to say this. This faction that believed mm-hmm. this over here changed it to say this. And we, and in fact, there is no single Christian manuscript that matches any other Christian manuscript. And not just from spelling mistakes, not just from grammatical mistakes, but from deliberate changes, changing a doctrine to represent something else. And even totally devout Bible-believing Christian scholars don't always agree on which is the original reading. Right. Mm-hmm. When I, going back to uh, kind of the origin story, I guess, of, of creating the Bible or creating Jesus, I guess, uh, I've, th- this is something I've heard, and I just wanted to know if this is true, that the idea of crucifying Jesus was created to stop Gnostics from blood sacrificing to their gods, like animals and such. Right. Um, I I have a real hard time believing something like that is the case, because we see the evolution of of this blood sacrifice, this blood atonement idea in before Christianity. We see it in in Philo of Alexandria's writings. We see it in in um, early Christian writings. Or sorry, early. Jewish writings that were appropriated by um, the Christians as prophecies, quote unquote, of their Jesus. Um, so, and and we don't know, we don't really know where the Gnostics came in. They're uh, as into Christianity, I should say. Definitely, there was Gnosticism before Christianity. There was Christian Gnosticism during and after it. Right. Okay. But to say that these things were invented to respond to Gnosticism, that doesn't really make sense to me. Oh, okay. I've just heard that before, so I was wondering if it was true. Yeah, yeah okay, interesting. Well, and, 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 it's, and the interesting thing about that question, though, is it kind of begs the question, well, what's Gnosticism and what's Christianity? Because, again, <laughs> the further we go back, it's really hard to, to identify anything we see there as what we call Christianity. I mean, there were there was lots of uh, Christians that believed that Jesus was the first angel created, or that there were 365 gods, or that the God was an evil God and the New Testament God was a new God, you know. Um, it, it gets very murky very fast, and one thing that's very obvious is that there weren't any, there wasn't any hierarchy keeping these ideas in check. It reminds me of, uh, have you seen The Life of Brian by Mon- yes. Mo- uh, Monty oh, Python? Yes. The scene with the it. sandal where he yes. drops the sandal and, and the mm-hmm. one group says, oh, we gotta follow the sandal, and the lady says, no, we have to follow the gourd. Is that kind of the <laughs> split-off kind of, at some point something like that happened in the past? Uh, yes, I mean to, to to put it over simply. Yes, mm-hmm. and as a Christian, as a Christian, I really hated that movie, and as an atheist, I just adore that movie, and it, it feels so spot on. <laughs> uh, I have to ask you a little about Mishnah. Uh, I maybe say that uh, a little la- uh, uh, wrong. The Mishnah uh, refers uh, and reflects the early Jewish traditions. Uh, yes. Betraying Jesus as a sorcerer or a magician. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. that's slightly different because the you, when you're talking about the Mishnah, I mean, you've got you've got early Jewish traditions and you've got later Jewish traditions. And one yeah. of the things I talk about in the books is is supposedly the Jews also mention Jesus, and they do. But these are medieval and late ancient uh, Jewish sources, and they're obviously responding to Christianity and they're responding to Christian writings. Um, we don't see anything contemporary with Jesus from any source, from any 
uh, of any kind, even even if you accepted Flavius Josephus as not a forgery, he's still after Christianity. He's writing towards the end of the first century, generations after uh, Jesus was meant to have lived. So uh, where where does where do we see Jesus in in scriptural form for the first time as the savior of of the world? Great question. When we look at early Christianity, there's two major portions. There's one event that sort of changes the way Christianity was before and how it was after, and that's whoever wrote the Gospel of Mark. Before mm. he writes that gospel which appears to be an allegory. When we hear early Christians talking about Jesus, he is this cosmic figure who was there at the creation, who went through the seven heavens and went down to hell to free captives. And if you read the book of Hebrews, he's doing all this up in heaven, in outer space, if you will. Um, and there's no hint of him that uh, as someone who was on earth, in fact, when you read the, the passages that are supposed to be talking about him being on earth, you see, oh, they're not talking about anyone who actually lived, you know, when he says, mm. oh, this guy was born of a woman, he's not talking about anyone who was actually born. And, it's, and even if he was, sure. even if he was saying, oh, well, what do we know about Jesus? He was born of a woman. Well, who do you talk about that? You know, who do you talk like that? <laughs> Except for demigods, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and there's no coincidence that that all of a sudden the Jewish God has a son around the same time that all these other demigods are becoming personal saviors. That's not a coincidence. Mm. Uh, but but to, uh, to get back to my point, once Mark writes that gospel, um, it's an allegorical story. It was probably written right after the war with Rome, and it was probably written in response to the war with Rome to explain why God didn't come and save Jerusalem. Instead, he gets this story about, well, the Savior came, but it was a spiritual victory, and we didn't see it, but here we can all benefit by it. And even though there's no temple anymore, now we can do this and um, and still be saved this way. Um, so that's that's where Jesus gets a life, is a couple of generations later than we think he was meant to be alive, after Jerusalem had basically become a Mad Max movie, and this post-apocalyptic setting. So who is the author of uh, the New Testament, according to, to your knowledge, Dan? Ask that again. Who is the daughter of the New Testament? No, the oh, author. The author. Sorry. Sorry. Who is the author of the New Testament? Well, the interesting thing about Paul, A, half of what we know about Paul isn't true, or at least it's contradicted by Paul in his genuine letters. But the interesting thing about that is that Paul seems to be the only Christian— who really, whose writings are really preserved, because all the other epistles, you know, with James and Peter and John, those don't appear to be actually written by anybody in the first century, let alone the people whose names are attached. Oh. Um, mm. There's there's some serious problems with that. Um, and half of what we know from Paul, half of his writings, the writings attributed to him, are clearly not from him. And some of them reflect his actual thoughts more or less, uh, depending on which group you're talking about. Um, mm. But it's very weird that in the, almost the first hundred years of Christianity, we have one guy's writings to get preserved. That's really weird, um, and I don't really know quite what to make of that. Um, we don't have any records of the early church history. We just have Luke's bullshit history that he wrote in the book of Acts 
that is contradicted at almost every point where they touch, Paul is saying something completely opposite uh, than what Luke is saying. Luke wants to paint this picture that, that the church was this one big united front and they were all friends with each other and one big happy family. And when you read Paul, it's like, oh, I hate these guys, you know, these, these Jerusalem church leaders. Who do they think they are? I don't even think they're real Christians, you know. And uh, he, he, it's, it's, it's astounding to read the people who are supposed to be Jesus's friends and family, and he's act, treating them like they're nobodies um, and false Christians. And how long, yeah. how long was it yeah. in between those writings, do you think? Like hundreds of years in between Paul and Luke? Gotcha. That's a good question, too. Well— I get the sense that the probably the book of Hebrews may be our oldest Christian writing. Uh, I, I should take that back. The letters of the genuine letters of Paul, and it gets tricky because they've clearly been edited and redacted and in in, in uh, interpolated into. Um, those are the the oldest surviving Christian writings we have okay. in one or another. Then you've got the book of Hebrews, which appears to show. The what Christianity looked like before the Gospels were written. Their Jesus is this figure like Melchizedek in the Old yeah. Testament, this timeless figure that um, has no parents, no birth, no beginning, no end, but he's kind of, he kind of emanates from out from God himself. Um, then Mark writes his Gospel, and once that first Gospel is written, a few years down the road, Matthew the guy we call Matthew, none of these names were their real names, by the way, um, and a guy named Luke, both took the Gospels that came before them and said, you know, I like this, but I'm going to fix his problems. And Matthew is constantly <laughs> correcting the mistakes that Mark makes about basic Judaism and basic life in Judea. And, right. he, and while Mark keeps do, dropping things like that are obviously allegory, he doesn't say that's what he's doing. He just expects his more... In, educated readers to recognize what he's doing and his simpler readers to just appreciate the good story. But Matthew goes out of his way to say, oh, and this was done to fulfill the scripture, blah, 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 blah. Even when he's making up scriptural things that don't really relate to what he's saying or they aren't prophecies at all, he's saying, oh, you know, this was done to so that this would be fulfilled. Uh, and sometimes he's saying that about things that we don't have a prophecy for. It's like, okay, this is either from some Jewish writing that we don't have anymore or he's just making it up uh, whole cloth. Um, I have a question, a question sure. for you. That uh, that that. Uh, what's the best argument that you you came through in your quest? Is it a, is it any any argument, or is it a, a, in your quest to find the, the the truth about Jesus? Was it something that was more difficult to come over uh, uh, texture? or argument-wise than something else? Was it something that you got stuck on more than than other? Sure. Well, the, the evolution of Christian scripture was a big one for me because, again, the Gospels didn't show up until generations after the fact. You'd asked early how long would it was between the Gospels. Well, the, the last, mm -hmm. the Gospel of Luke, by the time that third Gospel comes around, He's already saying, so many people are writing Gospels now, I thought I would go and check out the truth and, and give you the real story. And then he goes ahead and rips <laughs> off Matthew and Mark's story. And, uh, <laughs> and it's still that. Um, John comes later still, and he doesn't even try to match up the other Gospels. He just does his own thing completely. And his is just as detailed as the other ones. It's just filled with these incidental details that feel so right. But when you match them up with the other Gospels, 
they don't match at all. They, they couldn't. They are impossible to match up because they're saying completely different things about Jesus. Um, mm. for, and I'll give you an example of that. For instance, in John's Gospel, the reason Jesus gets in trouble and gets crucified is because he raises Lazarus from the dead. In right. all of the other three Gospels, which are pretty much follow each other much more closely, um, Jesus gets in trouble because he drives the money changers out of the temple in the last week of his life. Well, John liked that vignette so much that he puts that first in his gospel. So that's one of the, that's the first thing Jesus does in, when he kicks off his career is, is kicks out the money changers. Ah, uh, yeah. And then, and, and the, the levels of details are just, you know, go completely haywire from that. So anyone who says, what, well, it, what, you, yeah, what do you think about the missing, uh, because we, we, we hear about Jesus' birth, and right. then we hear about him thirty, approximately thirty-three years sure. later. It's kind uh, of, what it's, what do you think happened in between there? Like, do you have any theory? I or, do. I do. Well, see, see, Mark, his story is really just a passion story. It's just a story of crucifixion with a very long beginning. Um, mm. That's all he was concerned about. He wasn't trying to write a biography. He was writing a gospel. He was writing an allegorical story. So he didn't worry about any of this, you know, lost years of Jesus, but it's like a gods of the gap argument. It's like once you have that, that big gap there, it gives future Christians who get curious about it, um, you know, grist for the mill, if you will. And so we have early Christian writings from like the second century where they actually talk about baby Jesus growing up in Bethlehem and being – or Nazareth, depending on who's asked, telling the story. And – how he he fared and and Robert Price gave a great analogy for this. He says it's just like the Superman comics that they had a spinoff to do Superboy because people got curious about what was it like growing up in Smallville. Well, the Christians beat us to it. They were doing that. It's about uh, Jesus, and the only story that we have in our gospel that's left from that is the story in Luke of Jesus at twelve years old running away from his parents and being found in the temple. But we have right. existing stories of him, like turning clay pigeons into real pigeons and zapping people dead because he's a little Dennis the Menace evil, you know. <laughs> he's a real <laughs> shit, and yet he's the son of God, so he has all these amazing powers, and he's constantly killing kids <laughs> and uh, right. being a terror to his family. Um, and it's yeah. amazing. Like, medieval Christians would think we're, like, only half Christians because we don't have these stories anymore. Huh. So uh, what, what do you see? Uh, we're rounding out now. So where do you see uh, the biggest uh, fight for the truth about Jesus? Where do you find? Do you see that in churches? Do you see that in individuals? How how can we how, how can we awake people to who Jesus really was? Well, here's the thing. I'm fascinated by looking into this history because um, whether at the end of the day you say, oh, there was a Jesus or there wasn't a Jesus, everything mm. we learn in the back and forth between the people who insist that there had to have been a Jesus, and I'm talking about atheists and Christians alike, um, and the people who say, no, he was completely mythical, everything we learn in that back and forth helps us better know what we can know for sure about Jesus, what we can – what we – and how reliably we can know it. And it helps us call the bluff of anybody who tries to tell us, oh, they know how Jesus wants us to behave or think or vote. And that is huge. That's probably the single most important aspect of this talk. 
Otherwise, this debate is only important if Jesus is important, and maybe he's Christ. not that important. And, uh, <laughs> and the, the, the maybe you're talking you're talking to 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 atheists, so exactly. maybe yeah, yeah, maybe and, it isn't and, that and, important. And that's the thing. It's important for atheists to have these discussions. You really can't have nice. them with, with Christians because they, I mean, they will just go into lockdown mode right out of the gate. And it's, mm. it's just not even worth it to, uh, they should know that atheists are having these discussions, but they are so intent on circling the wagons that, uh, you know, it's, it's a non-starter. It's a conversational non-starter. But I love the fact that these things that we find out in my book, Jesus, Mything in Action, and other books uh, out there, um, they're true about Jesus, whether there was a Jesus or not. And so they can't, you know, we don't need Jesus to be a myth. We'll be fine if it turned out there really was a guy named Jesus and he happened to live in the first century. They don't have that luxury. They can't even put it aside for sake of argument. Um, they have to have a real Jesus, and that, that puts this conversation in lockdown for them right from the get-go, and that's why they're so terrified of it, because this is kryptonite for Christianity. I've got a fun so, question, actually, yeah. to wrap up, to finish off, something a little fun mm. to finish off with, but there's a theory that Jesus is an alien. Have you heard this before? Uh, you know, I, I feel like I've heard every single crackpot notion of Jesus, uh, but go for it. <laughs> uh, it's ancient alien theory. They believe that the the mystic things he could do and the raising up on the cloud. And like you said, a lot of the beginning of it is the story of uh, he's not even on Earth, that he comes down, the rays of sun that come down uh, onto people and all this. <laughs> that So they believe that those are all, that he was an alien that came down from heaven, meaning he came in a, on his spaceship and then went back up into the clouds. You've never heard of I kind of love that, and it's sort of there's a another field of of Jesus guys, especially the Victorians love to do this called the rationalists, where they explained away the miracles by saying, "Oh, well, Jesus must have just walked on water at low tide or something, or he must have just had a lot of loaves and fishes on hand." And they 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 kind of <laughs> they kind of miss the whole point because they're taking the story literally that was never meant to be taken literally in the first place. Exactly. It's kind of, and the argument to that is kind of like hearing somebody say. Well, if there's no Santa Claus, then how can the North Pole be his workshop? That's sort of the, the, <laughs> the, of that, the that. I love that. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect. Uh, yeah. So, David, where can people find you find on the me. internet? Um, you can find me, David Fitzgerald, on Facebook mostly, uh, but you can find my books wherever books are sold online. Um, and again, those books are nailed. Jesus, mything in action. Uh, the Mormons, The Complete Heretic's Guide to Western Religion is the name of that series. And again, we'll be having books on uh, sex and violence in the Bible and the Jehovah's Witnesses and other fun topics in Western religion coming down the line. Oh, and what's while, I'm, what's while what's I'm in total promo pimp-out yeah. mode, I should say that I'm also a science fiction writer. And I, uh, my wife and I have a science yes. fiction trilogy. The book one is out. It's called Time Shards. And book two will be coming out in September and book three coming out next year. Um, and we're super excited about that. It's sort of a time travel slash post-apocalyptic trilogy, and it's super fun, and I'm super proud of it. And the critics love it, and people I don't know write me letters and tell me how much I love it, and I can't tell you how much how happy I am about that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And you have like uh, 60 billion videos on on YouTube. <laughs> 
It does seem like there are a lot of videos of me giving talks like that sex and violence in the Bible talk I get, I was mentioning earlier. Um, but yeah, I have, I have, yeah, if you look on me, look me up on YouTube, probably David Fitzgerald atheist and you'll find several talks I give. Yeah, I and saw I'm a couple of those. To, They're very good. Thank you, sir. And I'm always happy to, to head out to local groups and, and give talks. So if anybody's interested in that, uh, feel free to hit me up. Well, uh, do you have any more questions for David before we round it off? Uh, I just wanted to mention, uh, we were talking kind of earlier about how uh, it, the whole Christ Christianity, these people are out there all over the place. I was watching a documentary this week on Flat Earth, actually, and <laughs> yeah. there was a, a scientist on there who was uh, saying... Uh, she was starting to research it. She had never really learned about it, and she researched it, and she realized how many people out there actually believe this, and she was out in her daily life going to the bank, going to the grocery store, and realizing, wow, these people could be everywhere. And I, yeah. and she's a scientist talking about Flat Earth, but I was thinking, that's how I feel as an atheist all the time. Yes, <laughs> yes, thank you, right? right. And I th I th they're very related to each other. I think if it wasn't for Christianity, we wouldn't have Flat Earth to the degree we have it. And the fact that oh, we have it at all in the 21st century makes my head want to explode. You know, it's like, hey, look, you guys believe this? Here, let's give them a, a, a TV show, put them in a plane. You tell me where the edge of the world is. Let's fly to it. We'll film it. You know, problem solved. <laughs> Hi, this is David Fitzgerald, the author of Nailed and Jesus Mything in Action. And you're listening to Another Digital Citizen. Hey, results from the Oscar Senderasis. Uh, Luke, um, <laughs> I'm deducting you a point. Do you know why? No. Why? Because I gave you the best documentary feature. <laughs> I, I said, oh, I'm going to vote for Mind the Gap. But you should vote for free solo. Oh yeah, you did say that. I forgot, right? Because I hadn't seen any uh, of these, right? And Luke, Luke goes, "Okay, I will vote for free solo." And I say, "Oh, that's a really good documentary." Uh, but uh, Mind the Gap was better. And what wins? Oh, free solo wins. So I, I still would have won, even even with that point gone. I still would have <laughs> won, but that's fine. <laughs> You're welcome, Luke. Uh, thanks, bro. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we're gonna start. Is uh, I got a point there for yes. free solo. Best animated feature: uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And Fro got a point there. Uh, best adapted screenplay: Black Clansman. And I got a point there. I was really happy about that one as well. Yes. Uh, best original screenplay: Green Book. Oh, neither of us got that right. I, yeah. Who was it? Oh, oh, who was it that won? And I fucking just said it. That's funny. Oh right, uh, we had, well, we had uh, I had said Vice, and you had said the favorite, and neither of those were. Ah, so yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, best supporting actress Regina King. If Basil Streets could talk. Uh, neither of us said that. We said uh, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. Mashallah Ali for Green Book uh, for Best Supporting Actor. And we had said uh, Sam Rockwell and Sam Elliott. Best Actress goes to Olivia Colman for The Favorite. I got a point there. You had said Lady Gaga. Yep. Best Actor went to Sam Rami Malek. 
we both got a point there. I think that was the most obvious award of the night. Yes. It should have got the yes. award for a most obvious award. It should. Uh, best director, uh, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. Uh, oh, you got a point there. Yes. And best picture went to Green Book. And neither of us got a point there, because most people were surprised uh, by this. Yeah, no, it it was very, very surprising. I, I said it's a good movie. Uh, it's it's not bad at all. I did you not see it. I haven't seen it, have you? No, I did uh, not. I did not get to see it. I, the, no, what, what were the ones I didn't see? I didn't see that and Vice and one other yeah. one. Oh, A Star is Born. Those are the three I didn't get to see. Right. So. right. Uh, any of them you will see? I, I definitely want to see Vice. Yeah. That's the one I will definitely see. Uh, Green, or uh, I probably in never in this lifetime will I watch A Star is Born, but uh, no. No. maybe... No. Uh, I'll see Green Book just because it won, but there's definitely been some controversy yeah. because uh, people kind of thought of this movie as a little bit um, driving Miss Daisy, which was considered a bit racist at the time, and this is almost the same. Yeah. Movie, so, so so let's talk a little about that because Spike Lee nearly walks out of the Oscar after Green Book wins the best Oscar. Uh, uh, Spike Lee compared the Oscar selection of Green Book as this year's best film to the loss of his beloved New York Knicks baseball team. He says, jokingly, the ref made the wrong call. <laughs> so angry, he nearly walked out of the Academy Award after Green Book was declared the winner Sunday. He was much better spirits when he reached backstage interview room. Uh, the standing ovation he received from many of the press corps, probably, probably didn't urge. This is my sixth glass, and you know why. He shouted and strolled into the room with a glass of champagne that sipped from its answers question. And uh, asked uh, what he thought about this film's victory. He laughed and shouted, next question! <laughs> yeah. And it says uh, here... So, uh... He also made light of the loss. Uh, I'm snake bit, he said. Every time someone's driving someone, somebody I lose, in a reference to driving Miss Daisy <laughs> in 1999, yes. best Oscar winner, which uh, a black man becomes a friend with a white woman he chauffeurs, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Spike Lee almost worked out of the Oscars. Let's talk about the Golden Raspberry Awards, or as I call it, fucking hell, I can't guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the Barry L. Bumsworth Award went to Billionaire's Boys Club. We didn't predict that because we didn't know. Right. That's just, uh, that's like a, you know, it's a, it's not really a predictable award exactly. No. No. Uh, the Rusty Redeemer Award went to Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Right. I got a point there. Uh, worst screenplay went to Fifty Shades Street. Uh, neither, uh, right? Yeah, neither of us got a point there. Worst prequel, remake, and ripoff or sequel went to Holmes and Watson. Uh, I got a point there. Worst screen combo went to Donald Trump and uh, his uh, self uh, pet pettiness. 
of definition and Fahrenheit 11.9. Oh, you got a point there, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, Worst supporting actress went to Colina Conway for Fahrenheit uh, 11.9 as herself. Neither of us got a point there. I was so fucking close, though. You said Trump, or Melina Trump, right. For the same yes, movie, yes. even, but still doesn't For count. For the same movie. Right. Yeah, no, but I, I'm, I'm just saying, I was very close. Uh, we're supporting actress one to uh, John C. Riley for Holmes and Watson. And we had both said Jamie Foxx, so we no points there. Melissa McCarthy when uh, we're one for worst uh, actors for the Happy Time Murders. Uh, I got a point and there. Has, yes. Worst actor went to Donald Trump for Defamation Fahrenheit 11.9. Uh, right. Uh, oh, that's where I got a Trump point. Right, yeah. Yes. Worst director went to Ethan Cohen for Holmes and Watson. And neither of us got that right? And where's Pitcher went to Holmes and Watson? And neither of us got that right. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really going to watch Holmes and Watson when I see it comes out on the streaming service just as I see it. There's one movie I watched this week just because it was uh, easily available that I saw on this list that I watched only because it was on this list. So we'll, I'll talk about that in the movie round. <laughs> It's the same thing I watched this week. It, uh, okay. I don't know. I think you had already seen this, but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. But overall, okay. Fro, out of both the Oscars and the Razzies, you got mm-hmm. four, correct? And okay. I got seven. So I I, ah. I, I won. Uh, but we didn't do great. We never do great on the Raz, uh, Oscars no. or Razzies, but it's it's much harder to predict than like wrestling because when res- in wrestling, most of the time you have two, maybe three people to pick from unless it's Royal Rumble. Uh, but uh, with these, you have it's eight, that, eight to five. You know what I mean? Much harder to predict. Yeah, but uh, is that that minus for for that uh, documentary? No, <laughs> then I would have won by six, but I still count that. So <laughs> I don't. I don't. God damn it! <laughs> I gave you that. <laughs> but I think I'm going to pick a. Topic: A conspiracy theorist. I'm gonna pick a, a well-known conspiracy theorist that is no longer alive, bro. Uh, okay. If that sounds fun, I'm gonna pick William Cooper, Bill Cooper. Okay. Never heard of the man. He is is he was Alex Jones before Alex Jones was Alex Jones. That's why I want to okay. talk about him. Yeah, and actually, I believe he was killed by the FBI. So it's gonna be a very interesting story to cover. Cool. I never even heard of him. Uh, before we do the movie round, we should talk a little about Rotten Tomatoes, and they have had a very, very, very bad week uh, because of uh, Captain Marvel. Because uh, Captain Marvel has been attacked by trolls, and uh, Rotten Tomato bans users before the film. So. Tell me a little about this. I thought it was important because I, I know Fro sometimes gets his movie reviews off the comment section of Rotten Tomatoes. This is only affecting he does. before the movie comes out, not after the movie comes out. But I thought it was important mm-hmm. for us to mention because it will um, in, in some way affect us. You know what I mean? 
Um, mm-hmm. It says here, the uh, Captain Marvel was attacked online. Rotten Tomatoes took action. The popular service disabled user comments before the movie uh, is to drop in theaters. Uh, on Monday, it announced it would ban user comments from film premieres and theaters. The movie... Oh, the move, sorry, is part of a bid to crack down on what it calls non-constructive input, sometimes bordering on trolling, which we believe is a disservice to our general readership. The service is also tweaking the system uh, it uses to poll moviegoers about their interest in upcoming releases. So uh, there was a big kind of storm yesterday because uh, they have a thing that's, uh, I think it's called uh, audience interest poll or whatever and it has a percentage of how many people are interested in seeing this movie and that's there until the movie comes out and that rep- it's that gets replaced by the Rotten Tomatoes score right Fro? Okay So uh, yesterday or the day before all of a sudden that was just gone off of off of the Cap- Captain Marvel thing and then this was announced and then it kind of got removed from everywhere else uh, and they say that was directly in a response to these trolls uh, trolling ca- this Captain Marvel movie. Uh, it says here, slated to debut March 8th and expected to open with some $100 million in ticket sales. Uh, this was the latest in a high-profile f- movie coming under attack by trolls. In recent years, a crush of users tried to sink audience scores for Black Panther, uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and the female-led Ghostbusters reboot. Uh... Deluging the site with comments that were sometimes racist or sexist. Right. Mm. The battle against review bombing is part of the company's push to make the audience feedback uh, more useful. Uh, The president of Fandango, a ticketing service that owns Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my gosh. It says here Fandango is owned by NBC Universal, a parent company of NBC News. I didn't. So Rotten Tomatoes is owned by NBC Universal? I didn't know that. I did not know that either. Wow. That's something new. All right. Mm, okay. But this is, again, like they're saying, uh, <clears throat> it, the like the female-led Ghostbusters was under attack by trolls. Uh, yeah, but people probably were, because it was a bad movie, is probably why. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it could, could have anything to do with it, maybe. Maybe. So, uh, look, I watched some movies this week. Uh, I will start with a movie that you watched. And I haven't. Uh, the Black Clansman. <laughs> yeah, it. that's how it's this. pronounced, yeah. Yes, because it has so many Ks in it. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, more than I thought I would, to be honest. My expectations going into this was not pretty high because I, I really don't especially like any Oscar movies. But I, I actually like this. Uh, it feels a little baity, uh, to say it mildly. I didn't get uh, that, but okay. Uh, really? Oh, you, you just I, mean the very last thing where they go into the whole yes that did okay yeah i will agree with that but the rest of the movie if that if they would have just stopped and not had that last bit then i wouldn't yes i wouldn't have said that but i agree with you there no no the the last bit was very very baited but uh i i give this movie an eight out of ten yeah okay 
And did you yeah. notice the kind of the references in the movie to kind of current politics that yes. they were kind of breaking the fourth yes. wall there? Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I recommend it. It's not the best movie I ever seen, but it was good. Good enough to give it an eight. What did you give it originally? Do you remember? Actually, I can a look. I watched half? it last week, I believe, so. I uh, think it was a seven and a half. Yeah, I didn't write it down, so I'd have to go back and listen. Usually I write it down on my sheet. Somehow I forgot to, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember either, but it was good, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw well, a documentary this week. Uh, I think it came out in 2018, yeah. but it was released on Netflix this week. Yep, we saw the same doc- documentary this week. You saw it as well? and I, Yep. We didn't mention it in the show, but I think David said he also saw it this week, so I think people yes. were just... it was on Netflix, and it was uh, right at the top, so a lot of people probably did see it, but it's called Behind the Curve. Behind the Curve. And this is about Flat Earth, Flat Earthers, and specifically kind of the guy who uh, pioneered Flat Earth, the Flat Earth movement on YouTube, I think is the best kind of, is the main character, right, Fro? Yes, and I I have to tell you that in Norwegian it's called uh, Jorn er flat. That's what it's called in Norwegian. And that literally translates to Earth is flat. So they've done a tremendous uh, translation of of that movie. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. But what did you think about this uh, movie? Uh, I... I mean, as far as documentaries, it, it wasn't a standard cut-and-paste documentary. I like that about it. They really went mm-hmm. out and, like, uh, met the people and then also found this, the scientists skeptics and talked to them. Um, I feel like it would have been cool in this documentary if they would have brought the two worlds together at some point. I was assuming that was going to happen, mm-hmm. and it never did. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. have Mark Sargent meet with the lady with the pink hair. And have them talk with each other and see how that goes. Because that may be a sequel. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Overall, I gave it a a 7.5. Oh, I gave it a 7. Cool. All right. Yeah, I mean, I like that it wasn't a standard documentary. I thought it was very well put together. Um, And, uh, of course, very interesting subject matter. So, yeah, you Mm. can't really go wrong. I th- one thing that was a little creepy is how they very clearly were trying to focus on this non-existent sexual relationship. <laughs> for, some yeah. reason, for some reason, the documentary filmmaker was, felt like that was something important to point out in this documentary, which I thought was a little weird, but... Hey, have you been a Ken Young fan ever? I, uh, Kim Young? I don't, I don't know who that is. The stand-up Comedian that's on, on. Oh, Ken, on, oh, Ken on, Jong. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Have you ever been uh, a fan of his? Not his stand-up. I've seen some of his stand-up stuff, and I was never a fan. But I am. <sighs> I you know, as an actor, I thought he was pretty funny. Yeah, he's good in the hangar. Uh, I watched Ken Young. You complete me, ho. His first Netflix special. Uh. And that isn't completely true because I watched approximately 20 minutes of it before I gave up. Okay. It was just not funny. Yeah, I mean, 
sometimes that happens. I I saw that on Netflix, and I I've never because I've seen some of his stand up stuff in the past, and I knew it wasn't good. So I don't know. Maybe I just uh, avoided it. But you're saying everybody should avoid it, is what you're saying. You. Yep. Okay. What else did I see? Uh oh, I sh- I saw a movie that the sequel is coming out soon. So and this was just kind of available somewhere. So I watched it. Uh, Happy Death Day. Fro. Oh, cool. Um, I love that movie. I can now see what what's the Netflix show that's very similar to this that we just watched. Um, uh, Russian Doll. Hello, Felix. Yeah, right. The Russian Doll show. It was very clearly uh, inspired. Inspired, but almost in yes. a way where it was like Happy Death Day. That somebody watched Happy Death Day and they were like. This movie is for sorority girls. I want to make the same thing, but for hipsters. And then they made yes. Russian dolls. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, overall, I, I did enjoy the film. Uh, there's a lot of problems with the premise, but the main actress, yes. she's really good. I was impressed she's by her. She's so She's really, really good. And I haven't and seen I her in anything had... since, either. Any, anything else. I have never seen her in anything else but this. Oh my god! Felix is her biggest fan, I think. Uh, yeah, of course. He well, we all, we watched it together, so he just wants to get his two cents in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, overall, I thought it was pretty good. I gave it a a, a six point five. Is is that? Yeah, there it is, six point five. Um, yeah. I mean, it's nothing amazing, but at the same time, I had a no, lot of no, fun no. with it. Like. The horror movie elements are not super horror movie. Like it's not like grotesque. Like it's not like a saw, but it is. And it, but the comedy elements are also funny. It's I would kind of put it as a comedy horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those parts I really uh, enjoyed. So. How much uh, is uh, Felix going to give it? Uh, I don't know. You got anything for us, Felix? Hamster. How many hamsters out of an hamster? He gave it a four, apparently. Four, 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 <laughs> yeah. four out of something. Four out of five, I think, is what chinchillas use as a scale. <laughs> so he really liked it. Uh, yeah, uh, I saw one of the movies that was uh, available for me. Don't ask me why, Luke. Uh, I, I hope you didn't watch this. But uh, <clears throat> Luke, do you know what I watched this week? What? Don't don't embarrass me, but I watched uh, Fifty Shades Freed. Uh, so Why? Can I whisper? Uh, oh, can I, can I whisper it a little lower because I'm so ashamed of it? <laughs> You're so ashamed. Did you? You? I remember yeah. you had seen the first one though. So. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow. He's what is not it? stopping today. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No. He he wants to talk about Fifty Shades Freed. Yeah. Uh, I was. I saw the first one, was forced to see the second one because I was married at the time. Uh, uh, and I was bored one night and I saw it was out and I was like, yeah, since I've seen the two other movies. And I, I, I will give it this. It is the best of the three movies. Okay. That's not saying much. <laughs> right. Because I, I gave it a 3.5 look. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. saw a movie that 
I know, I'm pretty sure you've seen this movie. Uh, and it was on, uh, this is the movie I was talking about when we were doing the Razzies, Death Wish with Bruce Willis. This was oh, on, on got a, no, a Razzies nomination here. Uh, oh. And I gave this a 3.5 actually from. So bad. You've seen the original, right? Uh, at least the first three originals. I think there yeah. was five of them. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this had nothing to do with that whole story. It was no. a completely different story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... I have no clue why they even called it Death Wish. Right, like, and, it, and it felt like a TV show more than it felt like a movie uh, to me. Yes. I don't know, yeah, it was... It felt very TV show and not very movie, and yes. like you, like I said, the storyline does not match up at all with the original. No, the acting's bad. Uh, there's pieces of it that don't fit together as far as why would the bad guys do this in this order and things like that. So, uh, continuity wise, there are problems. This is just an overall bad movie. Oh. Like I said, three point five. I do not recommend watching Death Wish from last year. No. And even Bruce Willis can't fucking save it. It didn't even seem like but, uh, he was trying. But yeah, anything else you saw? No. He looks like he's on NyQuil, the whole fucking movie. Uh, but look, are you listening? Are you ready to listen to the audio trailer for How to Train Your Dragon? This is Bear. Is it a little funny that I forgot that we were going to watch an animated movie? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I totally forgot that. Well, you just got into the trailer and you were expecting to see live action? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I totally forgot. <laughs> okay, I, I saw the first one. I never saw the second one, but... Yeah, I saw, I saw the first one. I was kind of meh. That's what I always care. thought of the first one, but people apparently yeah. really liked it. Yeah, I didn't really care enough to see the second one. Definitely have no interest in the third one. It's interesting, though, that they've made this cartoon character clearly grow up, which you don't see a lot yeah. of the time in cartoons. Maybe I'm going to give uh, How to Train Your Dragon to a second chance, but I, it's so long since I've seen... The first one that I saw I... it in the theater. That's how long it's been since <laughs> I saw the first one. When was the first one? Do you remember? Oh, I don't even know. I'd have to look yeah. it up. I want to say mid 2000s. Yeah. I will destroy everything you love. But I understand it's a trilogy, so maybe I should watch the two others. If Grimmel succeeds, there won't be any dragons left. And it's up to us to put an end to it. So, what are you going to do about it? It says 2010. So, we were a little off. Yeah. Mm. A little later than I remembered. You brought a baby to a battle? I couldn't find a sitter. Yeah, no, I, 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 I thought the first one was... Okay. This animation uh, looks better than the first one. This oh yeah, movie. Sure. I mean, I'm actually enjoying the stylistic qualities of this so far. I don't even remember the second one. But yeah, no, DreamWorks. 
usually as good, so maybe I should give it a chance. Right. Okay. So, what is this Oscar-nominated movie all about, Luke? Oh, that's the wrong... Oh, right. Uh, from... Uh, from DreamWorks comes a surprising tale about growing up, finding your courage to face the unknown, and how nothing can ever train you to let go. But begins as... What begins as an unlikely friendship between adolescent Vikings and a fearsome night fury dragon has become an epic adventure spanning their lives. Welcome to the most astonishing chapter of one of the most beloved animated franchises in film history. And this is like the longest description ever, so I'm not going to read it all, but 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 71% on Metacritic, very good scores there, directed by Dean DeBlois. Yeah. DeBlois, uh, yeah. You get any reviews? Uh, has it any actors we know of? As voices? Uh, Kate Blanchett. I'm not really... Oh, these other people I don't really know. Uh, I've definitely... Oh, Kit Harrington, Gerard Butler, oh. Craig Ferguson. Oh. Okay, there's a few people here I've seen. Oh, yeah. TJ Miller. I did. Jonah Hill. Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot of people. I'm, oh. You just gotta, gotta go into the... Into the, uh, all the, the full cast or whatever, so. Cool. Uh, I found a five-star review. 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 <laughs> that was suddenly very hard to say to review for some reason. It's almost like I'm a Norwegian or something. Uh, this movie could easily win Best Animated Movie of the Year. And if it does, I certainly earned it the title. If you didn't like the first two movies, you won't like this one. But if you did, I highly recommend How to Train Your Dragon 2, 3, Hidden World. Uh, it left on a high note, and you would, would remember it as one of my favorite trilogy ever, says Lone Star G Arming. I, I really had to look for a bad, bad, bad... Uh, review of this, but I found Will P gave it half a star. Way to ruin a book a good s book series, DreamWorks. Congratulations. At last, at least it's the last one. He said. So that, that wasn't really positive. Uh, I also found another uh, one, <laughs> one star review and made chuckle a little. <clears throat> I don't understand how this movie is getting so much good reviews from critics and audience. I thought it was absolutely terrible, which is sad because I really loved the first two. The villainess was terrible. The plot was forced and boring, and exactly the same plot that was the first two movies had. The film has a lot more childish than the previous ones. The jokes was terrible and not funny at all. And it just seemed like it was made for little kids. But uh, that was what made me chuckle. Because you know who the reviewer is, Look, Who? Somebody called Froda. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I not you, I'm assuming. No. no. Okay. Mm -hmm. I went to the Facebook. Um... I got two kind of opposite ones from 
uh, parents, all right? But they're kind of okay. opposite reviews. So Amber Friesen, my 14-year-old daughter, has been waiting five years for this movie. She got, uh, she got to go this afternoon and is a total wreck and has got a crying emoji. And then it says, job well done, DreamWorks. What? <laughs> uh, so she oh. she liked that, or her daughter enjoyed it, but was very uh, crying about it, I guess. And then uh, Fran Toprowski Tab- uh, says, My daughter wanted me to tell you that she wishes she never saw this movie. This was her favorite series, but you ruined it for her. Maybe adults aren't worthy of dragons, but children are, and that's who this movie should have been for. Don't ruin this for anyone by posting spoilers. And I get the lesson you're trying to teach, but her pure heart just can't get on board with this being the answer. <laughs> so two kind of opposite views from parents. One side saying, hey, you ruined my child's life. The other saying, I'm kind of happy you made my child cry. <laughs> cool. Uh, Another movie that came out. Oh, sorry. Do you, do you I got, have I got a couple more. Yeah, uh, another bad one. Oh. Uh, Jeff Munskin says, don't even bother. This movie should have never been released. Animation, uh, animation is great, but the story is pretty non-existent and boring. Four out of ten. Uh, but Bonnie Cooper says, I give it five stars for content, character development. It's action-packed, uh, with glorious, brilliant animation. And the love matters in this film to the fullest. All right. That was my last one. Oh. Another movie coming out is Run the Race. I love this very, very long description of the movie. Abandoned by their father and grieving their mother's death, brothers Zach and David pin their hopes for a brighter future on each other. That's all it says about this fucking movie. Right. It's directed by Chris Dowling. And it is a Christian movie, as I understand it. It has even Hoffer, Kelsey Reynard, Christopher Polara, Francis Fisher, and Eddie George in it. I have no clue who these people are. I've definitely uh, seen Kelsey ha- Reynard before. I don't know where I've seen her, but I've definitely seen her somewhere. Okay. It has gotten a six point. Two out of ten on IMDb, and a whooping thirty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, look, which of these two movies, if you were forced to watch one of them, would you see? Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The same here. Even though I haven't seen the second one, I'm no, still watching. No. Over that, yeah. I uh, I don't want to see a Christian propaganda movie about. American football for some strange reason. <laughs> okay. Uh, plugs. Uh, we forgot to plug the email address. If, you, if we didn't really get any emails, uh, we we got another like podcast place trying to get us to join their group. Other than that, uh, no emails Stop this week. It! But uh, they're never going to hear this, bro. <laughs> they don't listen to this. Uh, another digital citizen at gmail.com if you want to email us about anything. Uh, DeCohen testimony is happening today so if you want to email about that we will be talking about it next week oh we definitely will anything from the facebook group uh no not that i've seen but i can look at it why don't you do the audible trial stuff and then we'll Mm -hmm. uh, yeah audibletrial.com slash another digital citizen that's audibletrial.com slash another digital citizen 
Get a 30-day free trial, one free book. If you cancel it, you will keep to you will get to keep the book that you have gotten for free, and you also help us out to pay our bills for the server that you're listening to this show with. But, uh, right, and if you if want, you David Fitzgerald has audiobooks on Audible. So if you want to get a David yeah. Fitzgerald book as your free book, you can do that. Do that. Uh, but uh, also, if you really want to help us, sharing is caring. Right, everybody so, get out there and share. Especially now that Fro's not on social media anymore, that's one less person sharing. So if you could help share, that would be great. On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram... Uh, Pinterest. Uh, right. Anywhere, just share the SoundCloud or the Yahoo or the <laughs> iTunes link or uh, what's the other one? The Spotify what's link. What'd you say? WhatsApp. <laughs> sure. Right. Share those. Everything you have. Hey, hey, look. Share it on five, five times on WhatsApp and then you'll not be able to share it again. <laughs> So look, I didn't tell you in the intro that I have had a little plumbing problem. In your house? Uh, or is this a euphemism in, for something? No, it's not a euphemism <laughs> for anything. <laughs> Trust me, I don't have any problems <laughs> plumbing problems like that. Now, um, this started uh, a little before I went to the hospital. I was like, I was in the shower and I saw that uh, the water uh, from when I took a shower was always a little like slow down the drains, if you know what I mean. Right, clogged drain, okay. Right, yeah. So, uh, today it's Wednesday. Yes, yesterday I decided to take my beard. Uh, I was just fed up having a beard. So,. I wanted to take my bed, and the sink was clogged, and I decided to unclog it with a scissor. Okay. Uh, and I use I use hot water like for for rinsing the 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 uh, the razor, so it gets clean and things right. like that. Of course. And I I, I don't really uh, I don't especially look on the floor while I'm shaving. Funny enough, I you, you look in the mirror and concentrate about shaving. Okay. Uh, so the, the 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 water was running and running and running and running, and uh, I was done shaving and I turn around and I I look, I look behind me and I see all over the floor it was water, and I go fuck fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I I I call I took a picture of it and I I, I called my dad and I, I go, what do I do? Uh, and he's like, do you have anything like do you have any like anything you can like rinse down your drain with? Do you have a, a fork or anything? And I was like, okay, I will put my hand down a drain full of water. All right. Uh, yeah, to to try to rinse the drain. I couldn't feel a fucking thing. I was like, I was trying to goop around there for for half an hour, and I I couldn't do it. I couldn't find anything. So 
there's something in Norway called plumbo. Um, and what is this? Is uh, you you have heard of lutefisk before, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the the, the dish lutefisk? Right. Rotten it's fish. fermented. Right. Uh, yes, but but uh, to to rotten this fish, they use something called loot. Sure. And you 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 can use the same thing uh, on floors and also down the drains uh, uh, to like get the drains unplugged. Right. Okay. If you know what I mean. Yes. So I use the same thing as we use for lutefisk, just uh, uh, the uh, the thing, the the floating thing instead, and I put it down the drains, and it said, uh, "Went." Wait 15 minutes and then uh, fill with hot water. And I was like, okay, I did this today. All right. Uh, and I was, uh, I was like, no, I will give it half an hour. And I, I heard, I suddenly heard from the bathroom. I heard uh, here, blah blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Blah <laughs> yeah, your sink, your drain was clearing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, and and after half an hour, I go into the bathroom and I look and I was like, hmm, that's weird. Uh, the water hasn't really gone down. So, but it says in the instruction that you should uh, fill after with warm water. So I cook some warm warm water and I have my dad on the phone and and. I put warm water down the drain, and nothing happens. And I go, for fuck's sake, what will I do now? Now I have to call plumber. And he's like, are you sure you put enough warm water? And I was like, I don't really want to put more warm water on it. So it like the 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 thing goes up from the drain and starting hurting the floor because I was afraid that. The thing I put down the floor that ferments the lutefish with floor. Do you understand what I mean? I guess so. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and the wall, and I, I so I I took uh, the shower into uh, uh, my my um, toilet, and I pushed down and waited for warm water, so it got as hot as human possible from the shower and I put that down the drain and I was thinking please 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 and I the more water I push down there it goes a little like up and then suddenly whoosh <laughs> I hear this like whooshing sound like like Moses uh, uh, like peering the Red Sea or something and it just emptied out <laughs> And then suddenly just like emptied the whole, whole thing out. All of a sudden, when out in the morning, I, I go like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of funny. We must activate with warm water. Yeah, we just have Drano here. I don't know if that has that kind of whatever that uh, loot is. Uh, ha- yeah. But, uh, yeah, before we wrap up with the show, did you see these new phones coming out, Fro? I did. Holy crap! These new foldable phones with three screens that turn into basically an iPad when you unfold it. 
There's yeah. like a Samsung one and a Hawaii one. A Hawaii, a Hawaii one. Yeah. Uh, and then there's one other one I believe that's coming out that uh, that yeah, but they're like they're like three thousand or four thousand bucks, something crazy. So nobody but like the super rich are gonna have them. But they and uh, I think they're not really out out. They've just been like released like uh, uh, like viewing to the public. But they're pretty badass looking, don't you think? Yes, and uh, do, you, do you know what? Uh, here, here's the funny thing. Uh, a very near friend of mine, Hint Hint, uh, told me a little about this. Uh, and she also told me about another phone that just came out. Did you, <laughs> did you know that Energizer... Uh, uh, no, uh, who makes batteries, Luke? Energizer. Yeah, Energizer has their own phone. I did not know that. Uh, it is one of the most clunky things I have seen in my entire universe. It is so incredibly clunky. Okay, I'm looking at pictures. Holy it, crap. It must, yes. It looks like an iPod, like Gen 1. You know what I mean? It, it like the must... big, thick iPod? Yes. Uh, uh, I will tell you this. It has 30 millimeter of thickness. It looks like you should be able to print out labels, like a P-Touch labeler <laughs> should come out of the bottom of this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the battery capacity of it is amazing, of course. Oh, well, it's Energizer, because so that's what they're going for. Uh, I think she told me that uh, they had like five weeks of a battery. Wow, of battery. So uh, if you want to use your phone as like a uh... no, no, battery is supposed to last fifty days. She said fifty days. Fifty, 50 days of battery. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, holy crap. Why would you... Uh, but it's one of the ugliest things I have ever seen. And I said to her that if I have it in my pocket and a lady says, Hey, are you just happy to see me? Or is that your cell phone? And I go, yes, it's, it's actually my cell phone. Nobody will ever fucking believe me. <laughs> yeah, this thing looks really <laughs> silly. Oh my gosh. And uh, the worst of it is, it's like, uh, how much did it cost? Uh, 768 pounds. So, uh, how much is that in dollars? Uh, yeah, like seven, 700, yeah, like seven, 800 dollars. So. It says a thousand, two, 22. A yeah. $1,000? $1,000, 22, yeah. But, yeah, those yeah. foldable phones are going to be, like, $3,000, so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the only effectiveness this Energizer phone would have is if you're, like, a world-traveling journalist who goes to all these countries that don't have power. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the only person that needs this phone. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and, and they, have a, they have even, a, a, like, a cool version of it that's, like, you know, even more expensive. And it looks like, yeah, it just looks, looks so fucking ridiculous. But the Energizer Power Max P18 Pop. I mean, they, 
You know, there must be some market for it. So you, they wouldn't have made it if there wasn't a market for it. So yeah. No, that's true. Anything else we forgot to talk about this week? That's everything I had. Elon Musk, the cell phones that can fold. We talked about religion. I think this 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 show was filled with absolutely something for everyone. Yeah, I think we so, try that. So, what are we going to try to fill it with next week? Uh, do you know what? Next week we will have absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> I said that last week as well. It's, it, every every week it's even more funny. Uh, I think we will do Norwegian and Swedish Jewish, and that's what I think we will do next week. Okay. We're definitely uh, going to cover the uh, Cohen uh, testimony. There's not only today, but there's two days, I believe, that are like not uh, two days of hearings that aren't available to the public, but we'll probably hear right. about what happens in them. So, uh, Like I said, uh, Norwegian and Swedish Jewish, another digital review, and. I'm doing this under pro- protest, but uh, we will do a Medea fel- family reunion. I'm so fucking tired of this Medea movies. Didn't but, we hear uh, not too long ago that the next Medea movie, yeah. Medea, was going to get killed off? Or he, he like yeah. kind of teased? I wonder if this is that movie or what. So I I really ho- hope so. <laughs> maybe, or maybe even better, the creator of Medea. Oh, wait, they're the same person, though. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, funny enough, in this Trump uh, things, we will do a very um, relatable time travel theory, because we will talk of Baron slash Donald Trump being time travelers. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did a little research on it, but we'll do more research this week, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting we topic. On, on last week's show, we we said we would do it after the interview with David. We want to thank David again. Thank you for an amazing interview, and thank you for for being such a fantastic man to talk to. It was a very, very, very interesting discussion. So thank you again for. M- Meeting up with us and talking about Jesus for almost fifty minutes. Yeah, thank you, David. And I can say I can attest to having talked to him m- many times this week over the social media just to set up the interview and stuff. He's a very nice guy in general. So he is super, super nice. Yeah, super nice guy. Okay, I think that's enough for this week. So, from Norway, goodbye, everybody. From America, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, citizen.